Welcome to Wrestling 20 Years Ago for March of 2002 and the granddaddy of them all, the show of all shows, Wrestlemania X8. A task like this could not be done alone, so I brought in the full troop. First, the man that had to put up with Hogan for the end of the, of the death of WCW. Mr. Eric Landstrom, how the devil are we, sir? Doing well, my friend. Doing well. Yeah, good to see a little WCW infused back into the WWF. Uh, I don't see how this could go poorly in any possible way. <laughs> and the one man that thought he would never have to deal with Hulk Hogan again after taking over the WWF show. Mr. Chris White, how the devil are we? I mean, I was well until these guys so coming over and trying to ruin my show over here what's what's all this about <laughs> and mr welling who was dealt the shorthand of being floating around on all people's shows so you did have to deal with cunt hogan for a little while how the devil are you sir well given what happens after the show and where this guy's going i'm not doing very well Lacey. <laughs> well shall we get started and go into why everyone's so happy about Hogan. <laughs> so no news this month because it is mania and we are just hitting the big notes of the pay-per-view and also covering post pay-per-view as well. So we open up WrestleMania with new metal superstars.
in quotes, saliva, who played their song Superstar, which would have had the better version of it at the beginning of the show, because I'm not playing that live recording because that was awful. Our opening contest for the evening sees the Intercontinental Championship being defended between RVD and William Regal. RVD opens up with kicks in a standing moonsault. Regal gets the knucks, but RVD kicks them away. A sidekick, but misses the five star. Regal hits a knee trembler and gets a two. RVD with a couple of quick two roll-ups, uh, roll and Le Regal then hits a leg sweep, punch, and a suplex. RVD, more kicks, until Regal gets on the cravat neckbreaker. RVD hits the rolling thunder, but it's blocked. Regal then with the underhook bomb gets a two. RVD with a rolling monkey flip. Regal with a beautiful half and half suplex. Grabs the nuts, but the ref takes them off him. Goes for another set, but RVD hits a big spin kick. A five-star frog splash and gets the win. And we have a new intercontinental champion to start the show in the whole fucking show. RVD Rob Van Dam. As we all know, I enjoyed this because it's two of my boys having a wonderful match. But we will go to Mr. Welling. How did you, sir, enjoy my boys? Yeah, this was the least surprising decision of who decided to call which match and take notes for when we all got the list. Nicely. So well done for that, getting your boy in straight away. It's just a good thing that Regal, you know, did lose this match. Otherwise, you'd be salty throughout the rest of the night. But to be fair, Regal is also my other boy. So, yeah, it's a boy v boy get match. So either way, I'm, you know, it's a winner for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought this was very similar to the start of WrestleMania 17, where we had Regal Jericho for the IC title. And now we've got Regal RVD. And I thought it was just as good. Um, the RVD... And Regal are, you know, two very capable workers, and I always have, you know, issues with Regal' ability to gel with wrestlers. But when you've got someone as equally unique as him and RVD, I think it it kind of works quite well because they can just kind of take turns to do their unique spots. And I think the the half Nelson German you mentioned was probably one of the best moves of the entire night, if not the best. Which, given it's WrestleMania, is probably an indictment, but. This match, it's not that it's not this match's fault that they had such a great little wrestling move in this match. Um, but yeah, I, for six minutes, I thought this match was 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 pretty good. And again, it set the, it set the same tone as WrestleMania 17 did. Um, but I mean, we'll come on to this later on the show. But I don't think the rest of the show delivered in the same way that 17 did. Whitey, what's your opinions on the boys? I'm a big fan of your boys. Um, I thought this was a, yeah, a solid opener, you know, uh, very crisp. Um, I feel like this could have done with a bit more time. Like, I, 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 I wish I could cut off five minutes from my tag title match and give it to your boys and uh, see more of this sort of thing. Um, I felt like the, the finish just, just cut the match a tad short for what I would have liked. Um but I mean, it's it's Regal and it's RVD and it's WrestleMania and I'm in a good mood. I'm excited for the show and these two come out and deliver what what I think is a, a very fun, entertaining, crisp wrestling match. Yeah, it's one of those when you staying up 
till silly o'clock in the morning. You see these two come on at one o'clock to start the show. It gives you that kick to, you know, keep going through it. And to round us off, Mr. Landstrom, your opinions. Well, it was four o'clock in the afternoon, I think, when this started for me. And so I had a little more energy. And I, this match was woefully short. This was a this was the best match on an episode of Raw. Like, great match for sure for what it was. But, you know, I think White said, you know, take five minutes out of the tag match. And I think you could find another five or ten throughout the card. Remember WCW used to give the opening match slot 15 or 20 minutes. And sometimes it was good and sometimes it was bad. But it was always that wrestling match uh for some undercard title and that was always fun and i don't see why we had to do anything different here so completely agree for a six minute match this was fine but these two guys on this stage at wrestlemania to give them six minutes feels like thievery in my opinion so following the match we see christian backstage saying that he will beat ddp and notes that that's not a bad thing, that's a good thing. So, Mr. Landstrom, will you run us through our European title match? I will indeed. And DDP is here in Toronto, and he doesn't have that pink Cadillac that they talk about throughout the entire thing. Uh, this is a hot start. Uh, they kind of tussle awkwardly, but DDP gets the advantage with fists and a gut buster. Uh, DDP sends himself and Christian over the top, and they brawl to the outside. Uh, DDP calls spots loudly and well-framed for the camera for most of this match. Uh, Christian gets a low blow and drops DDP in the corner to counter the 10-punch, follows with a shoulder block, and sends Paige into the guardrail. Uh, back in the ring, Christian stomps and punches DDP in the corner. DDP counters with punches, avoids Christian's high boot, and slips to the outside, only to be posted anyway. Uh, DDP gets out of an abdominal stretch. And after an exchange, Christian scales the corner buckle and gets flared off. The ref begins a 10-count. DDP gets up and gets a sit-out powerbomb for a two. And we have a finishing sequence here that sees Christian trying unprettier, which is countered into a cutter attempt, but sees Christian send DDP into the buckle. DDP again goes for the cutter, but Christian gets that modified death drop for a two. They then have a clunky exchange of fists, and out of all that, DDP gets the cutter kind of awkwardly for the one, two, three. After the match, DDP says that he's proud Christian controlled his temper in a loss in front of 67,000 people and a bazillion fans at home. That's not a bad, a good thing. And Christian has a temper tantrum. Uh, Lacey, what were your thoughts on this European title match? This was sloppy, dull, and just there to get these guys on the show. Um, massive drop down from what we had in the opener, which, as you said, they could have had more time. We could have just not had this match on the pay-per-view and this could have been on heat. It, it was pretty pointless. You've got DDP only being mentioned because of his car from, what, for 14 years ago. Um, yeah, not a fan. Chris White. I mean, it it depends. Like, I always feel like we need to review these shows with a on the on the WrestleMania scale, you know, not on a 
pay-per-view scale. I, I think this was kind of like inoffensive. I think you're right to highlight the finish looking a bit sloppy. It looked like there was a bit of miscommunication there. But this was just just was just decent to okay and largely forgettable. And like it's it's WrestleMania. Like I we're we're two matches in, and I, I don't think last year had much on it that was forgettable. Um, like and we've already that's that's kind of like strike one, you know. I I don't have major problems with this. I just I don't I don't really know why it's here. Um, I I think they had they had six minutes, just even less time than the opener. They worked quite hard, but I, I why are we doing this? Like I don't think we had filler last year, so do we need it now? Uh, two matches to open WrestleMania with uh, four people that I think probably all would deserve at this point more than six minutes. And you, know, you look at guys like uh, Christian, especially in this match, GDP, I would say is a notch below. But then the two guys in the opening match, and I'm like, everybody here has earned more than the time they're given in, in these kind of rudimentary matches uh, to open to open the show. Uh, but maybe Dan Willing sees things differently. I do slightly. So I'll start nitpicking first of all, Chris White, and then I'll come back to you. So the first two matches at WrestleMania 17, we all know is the greatest pay-per-view the WWF have ever put on, had Jericho Regal, which had exactly the same amount of time roughly as RVD versus Regal. And then the next match had APA trashing right to censor in like three minutes. So arguably, this is actually giving more time to the performers than WrestleMania 17. So there is precedent there to say that, like, we're starting off with, we're starting slow, we're going to build and build and build. So I don't want to give too much hate to the timings of this of this match, you know, compared to if we compare that to last year. Um, and I'll, I'll go now, point, of, point out, like, in my notes I've written, really good evidence of DDP's excessive planning coming to the fore with the cold spots and the sluggishness of the way they set up the finish with the little stop start, you know, getting into the right spot. To kind of build on what everyone's been saying, I think this match is just here to a get the European title on the card, just to give the you know the little you know um, belts defended you know stick going. And I think that there's nobody I would rather have a little bit of a swan song moment than DDP, given the hatchet job they did to him during the whole invasion. So I I want him to be on WrestleMania and to get a win. And I have a soft spot really badly right now for Christian who I think is probably my favorite mid-card character right now in the Fed he's just like the most pathetic character in the world and everyone who's been listening to the last couple of the shows knows I have a really big blind spot for chicken shit coward heels so if I get to see two of the most deserving people on the roster getting six minutes on the main card for a singles title I am probably going to give it a little bit more of a pass than some people on this show are doing dan i just uh before i throw it back to lisa i just have to ask by by some logic are you saying that bradshaw should have been given more time last year my, my point is that we shouldn't be hating <laughs> on the time on the card given that we gushed over like the, the the theory of what they're doing is build up slowly but surely I, I I would just say back on that. I think the the key distinction last year is that it's a very different type of match. This year we open with two singles matches, and this one slightly inferior to the opener. 
that it follows. And last year, you opened with a singles match, but then you had, you're, you're right, three minutes, six-man tag. But that was like, they they got some stuff in in three minutes. It was high energy. They went out there. When you got six guys in there, be it uh, Taz, Bradshaw, Farouk, and, and then right to censor, but they 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 pack that. It's, it's a different pace, and there's more variety to it, whereas this was just six-minute TV match, six-minute TV match, two singles. Like, I, I feel like that's where the timing becomes an issue rather than just the numbers itself. Yeah, we almost needed a six-man tag in this slot. It's almost like they, they they should have just kept with the same exact formula, like a Boston record, and it would have been almost just as good as last year. Anyway, back to you, Lacey. So we get head backstage and we have the great one, mocking the coach which i i can't give this do this justice by my own so i'll just play it to you so you'll hear that now well rock rock tonight the biggest night of your career the biggest match in the history of this business the biggest event WrestleMania, the biggest matchup of all time. A matchup that will determine who will go down as the greatest ever. And Hogan, last week, you asked The Rock. You stood in the ring and asked The Rock, what you're gonna do when Hulkamania runs wild on you? You see, Hogan, what you're failing to realize, The Rock wants you to remember, is The Rock wants Hulkamania to run wild on him tonight. The Rock wants Hulkamania in all of his glory. Coach, let The Rock ask you something. Did you take your vitamins this morning? Well, actually, I did, Rock. <laughs> well, actually, Rock, thank you. <laughs> let The Rock ask you this. Did you say your prayers? Well, actually, I got kind of busy. I was you just... got busy saying your prayers. The Rock gives thanks every day. We all do. And you got busy? Well, Rock, it's been a busy... Well, what are you waiting for, Coach? What are you waiting for? You know what? Shut up, Coach. You don't make any decisions around here. The Rock's not going to make a decision tonight. Excuse The Rock one second. Would you people like to see the Coach say his prayers? You see, Coach, they believe in you. The Rock believes in you. So, Coach, say your prayers. Say your prayers, Coach. Put your hands together, Coach. Put them together. Look up into the sky. Look up. Get down on your knees, Coach. Get on your knees. Say your prayers. Give your thanks. Get down on your knees, Coach. Coach, we all believe in you, Coach. Now, you say your prayers like you've never said them before. What up, Jake? Coach here, I just wanted to give you, you know, a quick shout out. It's been night for everybody. What in the blue hell is wrong with you? What up, G? 
That's the way you give thanks? You get out of here, you sick freak! You don't give thanks like that. Get his candy ass out of here. You see, Hulk Hogan, The Rock wants Hulkamania in all of his glory. What you gonna do, Hulk Hogan, when you face The Rock tonight? When you've got butterflies in your Hulka stomach and you reach down to feel if you still got a Hulka strudel? Hulk Hogan, what you gonna do when The Rock runs wild on you? But you know what, Hogan? The Rock will tell you exactly what you're gonna do. The Rock will tell you, you're gonna feel the electricity like you've never felt before. Electricity that has happened like never before. Hulk Hogan, you are gonna hear 70,000 strong chanting your name, chanting The Rock's name. Hulk Hogan, you will see the people's elbow come crashing down on your chest. And Hogan, above all else, above all else, you will, you will, you will, you will, you will, good God Almighty, you will smell what the rock is cooking. It is going to be an epic a little bit later here tonight. Before we go into our hardcore title match, boys, rock on form here with this promo. Any uh, anyone wants to jump in with some thoughts on the promo? Yeah, I think this is just. I think the Rock is just kind of. I think what we'll learn by the end of the night is, uh, I think the Rock is either, if he if he hasn't peaked, then he's ascending to heights that very few before him have have reached. I think we're seeing kind of the the peak of this uh, of the Rock character that's been uh, developing for a couple of years now between. His energy here, and then obviously the masterpiece, no spoilers, that they put on later. Uh, I just back you up there, Lacey, a little bit. It's like I, I think like at the time I thought, uh, even with looking back to seventeen, and I, I mean I promise not every input I have this this show will be comparing it to last year, but we reached a bit of a crescendo with the uh, Steve Austin character leading into that heel turn and. Uh, a year ago and i feel like uh the rock's character was slightly overshadowed whereas this year he feels like the guy on the show and this promo kind of just highlights that and i feel like he might have not had it as great a 2001 as, as austin did um but i feel like so far this year and with, with this program built into this i think he's he just feels like the guy in the company these days Anything from you, Dan? No, just so <laughs> what they said. <laughs> I like that. So we will go back to Dan as he is going to be covering the ins and outs of the hardcore title for this evening. Yeah, this is probably the first match of the cards that is spoiler the not quite as good as last year. But anyway, it's Gold Dust versus the defending champion, tough enough winner, Maven. Goldust is out first and he starts, brings out the gold dustbins. Maven's out next, but Goldust quickly hits him to the outside and throws him into the barricade. A leaping right hand from the apron to a prone Maven is followed by a cooking sheet shot. After a weird catapult spot goes awry, Maven whiffs his one good move in the drop kick for a weird two. 
and inside Cradle by Maven also gets a two before May Goldust hits a netbreaker for number two. Goldust next brings out a golden shovel and Sideshow bobs it right into Maven's chest. Irish Whip into a bin also gets a two. Julian bin lid shots, lays out Maven in the ring and hits Goldust to the outside. But all of a sudden Spike Dudley runs down and gets a free count to become the new hardcore champion. And then he's chased the back by Crash and Goldust and the match just ends. And with that, we get our first musical interlude of the evening by another new metal heavyweight, Lacey. Yes, so we get Tear Away by Drowning Pool, um, which I will throw into this now because I have seen Drowning Pool live. They are actually quite good in a small enclosed venue. But fuck me again, this stage does not help these bands at all. So I'm not going to play that either. Next, we have Mr. White telling us all about the next match, which is Kurt Angle versus Kane. But wait, in comes Hurricane swooshing in, complete with a sound effect to become the new hardcore champion. Sorry, on you go, Chris White. <laughs> well, well, why thank you? Um, so, yeah, next match, uh, Kurt Angle uh, is taking on Kane, and uh, we have Kurt out first. He he pokes some fun at the uh, Winter Olympic figure skating scandal from early the, in the year uh, and highlights how he didn't win his Olympic gold medals controversially. He says that he's uh, red, white, and blue. He's the red, white, and blue machine, which is a nice line before Kane's pyro hits mid-sentence. We're underway. Uh, uh, well, no, before we're underway, sorry. Uh, Angle attacks Kane with the ring bell, uh, and the ref just uh, lets that happen and then officially gets things started. Uh, Kane uh, tries to fight back, but Angle is straight on him with a German suplex and puts the boots to him. Uh, Kane goes for, uh, gets a more successful comeback following a back elbow before slamming Angle to the canvas. Angle then hits an awesome overhead belly-to-belly, followed by a couple of clotheslines. He follows with some more clotheslines and a back suplex and eventually locks on a front face lock. Kane fights out and hits a sidewalk slam. He looks for a suplex, but Angle counters and hits a trio of German suplexes. Angle goes to the top and hits a clothesline. He celebrates and goes for another, but Kane hits him with a clothesline uh, with a strike that knocks him out of the air. Kane hits a big boot and a nice power slam, which gets two. We get a, a choke slam uh, by Kane, but then he gets two as Angle is able to grab the ropes. Kane looks for a tombstone, but Angle grabs his mask, and this allows Angle to hit the Angle slam, which gets two. Angle drops the slaps, straps, and gets the uh, ankle ankle lock. Kane gets to the ropes and pulls himself up, and looks for for, for Kane an impressive looking Enziguri. Kane goes to the top, but Angle leaps up and hits an awesome top rope belly to belly. Angle sets up for the Angle slam, but Kane counters. He goes for the choke slam. Angle's able to turn and roll through into a cover, though a very awkward looking one. He gets the foot on the ropes for leverage, and that's enough for the free. Lacey, what do you make of this? See, this was all right. It just wasn't. It wasn't WrestleMania level, which is something that will come up quite a bit through this show. You know, Kane and Angle you know it's going to be a decent match you know it's going to be good but it just just wasn't to the levels that i expect for 
the big show. And yeah, can't say I was massively impressed. Eric, what did you make of it? Well, first I have a question. What is a good Kane match? Can anybody name one? The hardcore match from last year at WrestleMania? That was good. (laughs) Anyway, I've seen this match twice now. And when Chris White was doing his very thoughtful review of it, there were large swaths that I had no memory of. Um, Kringle is the best wrestler in the world right now. And as Lacey said, uh, this match was fine. And so you take a guy who's never had a memorable wrestling match in the history of his lengthy career at this point versus the best wrestler in the world, give him 10 minutes, and you have something that is extremely passable. But this match will not be talked about in the pantheon of great WrestleMania matches and moments. So it was what it was, but other than length, uh, it really bore no difference to the first two matches on the card, and I think a theme is developing here. Yeah, I'm noticing a pattern with uh, many of our comments. Uh, Dan, anything different from you? Uh, No, not for me this time. It's uh, as... Eric said Kurt Angle is the best wrestler in the world right now, and he's able to make German suplexes, belly-to-belly suplexes, and top rope arm drags look effortless against someone who's big as Kane, which is just, you know, testament to just how effortless this guy makes wrestling look. But again, as everyone has said, this match doesn't get out of the good territory. If that, it, it's probably more in the fine range, which is not something that we really need at this point when we're looking at wrestlemania season and it's one of those instances where the roster probably is too stacked at the minute and i look at the nwa coming in and the you know the guys that they've already got that we will talk about later and it's just a shame that for the second year in a row kurt angle is an afterthought in a wrestlemania card when he's this damn good and was that so over you know, in the summer of last year, and this guy, this guy could easily be in the top three matches of the show, and he's 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 wrestling a guy who I, I I've got a soft spot for. I do like Kane, and I think he's you know a valuable asset to the to the roster, but not as a guy that you throw in with Kurt Angle for ten minutes. You know, it's just something that is realistically not the best use of either men, and it's just another instance where we're just throwing them out to get them on the card, where. You know, for DDP and Christian, it's more like, oh, good. I'm glad that they're there. But for these two, they need to be in something better. Yeah, I mean, this is so obviously just a match that's there as a something for Angle to do at WrestleMania. Um, and I don't really understand. Like, there's, there's, there's kind of like two points to what I'm about to say. And the first we'll discuss, I'm sure, later. But I don't really know why Kurt isn't in the main event on this show like from a story perspective it fits and it i think it would have been better and it would have like if if they said like so if you want the main event to be the 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 title match which clearly they did or someone did um and you you don't want it to be a triple threat but like it it would have helped that match like to be slightly different having to follow what it has to follow in that slot and and if the the argument is oh we will if we're going to make it a triple threat we like we don't really want to have triple threat in the main event or whatever then you can so easily put rock and hogan in that spot and 
like I think the championship match is better served for having Angle there. Angle bloody deserves to be there. And I think everything would have just been better served. I can't really see any arguments against it, especially because it, like I'm not just like fantasy booking someone like and roping them in. Like it it fits like storyline wise there's storyline wise there's more logic to Kurt being in that match and it being a triple threat than not. Like I ended last month's show reviewing No Way Out with him winning the number one contendership. I know he lost it like the next night on Raw or whatever, but like I, it's just not a stretch. I don't know why it didn't happen. Yeah, it, it's terrible booking 101, really. Um, so, before we go into our next match, I hear I hear a hurricane call from, from a region somewhere backstage. It's unfortunate. Unfortunately, Hurricane has uh, whooshed himself into the Godfather's hose dressing room uh, whilst he's, you know, running away from all of the competitors chasing him for that prestigious hardcore title. He has to hide behind, you know, a screen that is conveniently shadowed so everyone can see his silhouettes. And as the hose, you know, begin to undress themselves, take their tops off, and even begin to take their, some of their trousers off, you can see a very interestingly placed broom area. Uh, joke. Let's leave it like that. The Godfather bursts in, hits the Hurricane with a broom, and before he can start assaulting him, Hurricane whooshes away and puts an end to another dreadful segment involving Godfather's hose. Yeah, this uh, lowered the tone for the evening. I thought Russo was back with the uh, the level of humour here. Those are some very authentic hose to give them credit. <laughs> they are indeed. So we go into our next match, which sees the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, going against the American Badass, Booger Red, the Undertaker. Taker comes down first, and Flair, whilst making his way down, decides, "Fuck this! I'm running in," and runs straight into the ring and starts with punches. We get a brawl outside back into the ring and they're still just on the offensive that is until taker posts him taker then beats down rick they uh, go back out of the ring exchange punches a bit more and then back in and exchange more punches flair misses in the flare corner flop up but nails it the second time take it's the big boot back down to the floor taker then just batters rick and rick is busted open Back into the ring, Taker continues with the beatdown. Rick manages to get some chops. Taker hits a corner clothesline, more punches, and a superplex that gets a two, only because Taker pulled Rick Flair up. The apron leg drop, but misses the following elbow drop. Rick then chops and counters old school. Side slam by Taker, but gets crotched on the top rope. Flair then gets the lead pipe from Taker's bike. They brawl outside and now Taker is busted open. Flair then starts hitting him with one of the signs that's on the side of the entrance. Back into the ring, Flair with more punches, a low blow and puts on the figure four. Will he ever win a match with that? Taker then up and hits a choke slam that gets a two. And then Taker batters Little Nature. 
We get Arn Anderson come out and hit a fucking glorious spine buster. That only gets a two count. Taker then beats down Arn. And he's busted open and put into a dragon sleeper. Rick then comes in with a chair. But Taker hits the tombstone. Gets the win. And to add insults or injury post-match. Taker hits a stiff lariat on Little Nate. Taker is now 10-0 at WrestleMania. I enjoyed this. This was a... It was what it should be. It was a fucking hard-hitting brawl. You know, I'm not wanting a wrestling clinic with these two. Seeing Arn come out and hit a fucking uber spinebuster was great. And if you compare this to the Rumble match, this is better flair than we got at the Rumble. But we'll go to Eric first. And how did you feel about Booger Red's battering of the nature? There were two matches that surprised the hell out of me uh, tonight, and if it wasn't for the one later, this would have been the, the the top contender in that category. Like, I was expecting almost nothing out of an Undertaker Ric Flair match at this point, and I should have known better uh, because uh, Ric Flair is probably the, you know, uh, if he's not the, he's one of the most like master craftsmen in terms of putting matches together in the history of, of the industry and in the history of the entire sport going back a hundred years plus like this guy is just a genius inside the ring. And I don't think that's just, I don't think that's debatable. And then you put him in there against the undertaker who has shown from time to time that he can, he can be friendly in there. And I think it comes down to every time the Undertaker's in there with somebody who he respects it's a good match, and every time he's in there with somebody, he doesn't for whatever you know masculine reason. Uh, the match is terrible. I mean, you look at the DDP matches and the Canyon stuff that Whitey and I reviewed last last year compared to his matches against guys like Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair and the guys that are not only fantastic workers but also he respects the hell out of. And here we had that, even though Ric Flair is 10 or 15 years past what he used to be. But somehow it all came together, and they had a match that well exceeded any of my reasonable expectations. And then you sprinkle in some Arn Anderson in there doing what he does best. Gosh, this was just this was just what this show needed to put a little bit of life into it. Mr. Welling? Yep, first good, you know, solid, good match of the night, I think. Um, you basically just got the greatest hits of Ric Flair in, in the late autumn slash winter of his career you know the the great fiery punches the bleeding as soon as he has an opportunity the punt of a low blow that you know generally gets a pop every single time it's done hard like really good hard chops which you know kind of backing onto eric's point taker probably said i respect the hell out of you just give it to me and yeah, there were really good strong stuff in there. And then we had some really unique spots with the you know the seven foot tall superplex, which was amazing. Um and as as everyone is gushing over him, I'll jump on it. Arn Anderson doing the spine buster was the first genuinely pop worthy night, a uh, moment of the night for me. Absolutely brilliant to see that. Um but yeah, I mean look, I don't think we were gonna get something that was absolutely brilliant, and I'm glad that this was a lot better and was much more enjoyable than the the Ric Flair brawl we got two months ago and I'm yeah it was, it was just like the, the, for, a, for a dream match with for with Undertaker versus Ric Flair which I think is the first time it's happened in in, um, in wrestling I might be wrong but again correct me if I'm wrong 
I De- this was his think it happened. You no, know, because uh, when Flair would have been about and Taker was about originally, obviously Flair was a heel and so was Taker. And then Taker then did the stuff with Jake and stuff. Yeah, I don't think, yeah. unless it was a random spot show somewhere or a challenge taping or something like that, I don't think they I, did I, in the I, first I, run. I want to say, and I, I will have to consult the almanac for this, and I don't have it. I don't have it with me today, unfortunately. Uh, that there was a, a tag involvement with the Undertaker and Ric Flair at some point, but they may have been on the same side, and so that wouldn't necessarily count. The other thing we would need to look into is whether Ric Flair ran into Mean Mark at any point. Uh, but again, that's for you know we'll we'll give you an update next month. But yeah. That's what I'm saying, though. Like the fact that we're trying to desperately rack our brains to think of something definitely suggests to me that a, if it was, it was a throwaway and something that people weren't looking forward to, and it's definitely not a marquee occasion. And I think this, you know, when we initially got the news that WCW was getting acquired by the WWF, one of those matches is Ric Flair versus Undertaker, two guys who are synonymous with the other company, and to see them having a a, a really good drag out brawl for for nearly 20 minutes. With a lot of, with some with some good stakes involved, I think is definitely one of the highlights of the night. And lastly, Mr. White. Yeah, I mean, not much more to to add compared to what you guys have already said. I think it was probably the first time sat here watching this show that I felt like, ah, it is WrestleMania. You know, it's not just any other pay per view. Um, I really loved the surprise Arn <laughs> appearance. Um, it was just a fun brawl, you know, a lot of blood, um, a lot of intensity. Flair took an absolute beating like he was always going to. Um, I think The Undertaker plays, probably because he is a bit of a dick, I, I get the impression, but he plays the bully role pretty well. Like when he's, and when he's motivated, he can deliver a nice brawl. Um, yeah, I, I mean, this was, this was really good. Um, certainly not like, a, like a, five-star classic or anything but at this stage in the game it's the undertaker and rick flair you know in 2002 and I, I think this is one of those matches that i went in with low expectations and it massively over delivered so i was uh very pleasantly surprised watching this so we see Booker T backstage telling us that he is smart and that he will defeat edge in their Next match, which we throw over to Eric for Booker T versus Edge. Both guys are out and they lock up as JR laments that this feud is about a shampoo commercial. Uh, Fists and strikes back and forth. uh, And Edge misses a drop kick uh, that Booker sells anyway for a two. Booker gets a stun gun and a sidekick for a two and he sends Edge outside over the top rope. Booker then nails Edge with a chop from the apron followed by a missile drop kick, but Edge kicks out at two. Booker wears Edge down in the corner with boots, and Edge reverses with chops and punches. Booker then snags Edge for an Alabama sl- an Alabama slam, and that looks stiff. Booker scales the ropes and gets crotched. Edge then gets a Hurricane Rana out of it, but Booker ends up landing directly on top of Edge. Jared tries to save it by saying Booker attempted to block it, but we all know what really happened there. Booker sends Edge into the ropes, but Edge gets a reverse heel kick and hulks up with clotheslines. Edge reverses a scissor kick and follows up with a top rope spinning heel kick for a two. Booker ties up Edge out of a corner roll-up. Edge gets out of it, tries a spear, but nails the buckle. 
Booker gets a sidekick and then a spin-a-rooney, nails a scissor kick. He takes a minute to cover, which allows Edge to slip out at two. Edge then gets a spear out of nowhere for a two. He tries his own spin-a-rooney. He, owns, he avoids a series of sidekicks and hits the execution for the three in a match lasting just over six minutes. Uh, Dan, what were your thoughts on this match? Okay, this is where it started to grate on me. The amount of get them on the card, give them six minutes, singles matches that were just a raw match. Like, uh, as, as I can't remember who said it, but someone said, is this match really worthy of WrestleMania? And I finally got to the point where it's like, no, this is too many now. Like, the, the amount of throwaway stuff that was on this show, it, it got to me. And I really found myself checked out of this match, even though this is Edge getting a huge hometown pop in comparison to some wrestlers, which I'll mention later. And again, trying to get Booker a spot on the card after his, is probably his one of his best WCW singles performance of the invasion which is nice um but god it's, it's just it's, this is just a this is just a b show you know upper mid card match this is not wrestlemania sixth match on the card level um and you know i'm going to compare it again to wrestlemania 17 at this point in the show we were we had ivory versus china which was like the payoff of a four month long storyline and now we're just getting a throwaway match with a shampoo commercial attached to it. it, it it's it's mm-hmm. either you give us something that's quick and it's got some storyline to it, or it's going to be an advan- an enhancement, you know. And I feel like this is just nothing. This is just neither which way. Yeah, it's so interesting. These this card is built like the old school WrestleMania matches, where you would have one or two, or maybe even three marquee matches, and then yeah. A bunch of matches, one-on-one matches, the last five minutes to blow off secondary and, and tertiary feuds. But the difference is they had an hour or two of national television in 1987, and they have, you know, six times that now if you really get, if you really think about it. So, uh, yeah, there's really no excuse to have these throwaway matches now when they have plenty of time to build meaningful stuff uh, for, for everybody else. Uh, Chris White, uh, take it uh, any direction from there. Yeah, again, uh echoing the the pattern of this show so far it's it's not wrestlemania caliber it was okay i thought um that they they built stuff throughout the match probably as well as you can between six or seven uh, minutes and like i just thought it was an indictment of like this show so far is like the, the crowd for edge felt really flat for like a yeah like a hometown thing but like like the the biggest pop of the match really until the the finish was the spinneroni and I know and I mean I know that gets a pop from the crowd like don't get me wrong but it's just like it's it's like a hometown sort of person it it's WrestleMania where this isn't like when we're we're out of filler territory now the card needs to start picking up some momentum we've just had the first big positive of the show. And it kind of, yeah, this is like one of those matches that sort of saps enthusiasm and energy while watching it. And I, I feel really harsh saying that because I think, again, both guys worked hard. I mean, there was a, there were a couple of sloppy moments. Um, but, like, you got six or seven minutes. And I think largely the sloppiness quite often came from Edge being a bit over-enthusiastic. And I think he must have just been so desperate to, get all his shit get all his shit in <laughs> when he only had six minutes to do so you know um and I, I think they tried their best but I, I just i don't know that this is a spot that anyone outside of like the rock can could 
could make work, you know, when you've got like six minutes in the middle of the show in a match that has no heat. It's it's tough. Lacey, bring us home. So, yeah, it it was all right, but it's at Mania and the build is a Japanese shampoo commercial. If I've ever heard a, re- a filler reason for a fucking match at WrestleMania, that's it. Um, as everyone else has said, there's, there's no no build. There was no build up. It is a TV match. It can't get going because they've got six minutes. It's just thrown on to get bodies on the pay per view and people get their WrestleMania payday. You could have easily not had this match and given the six minutes extra to the IC title match or, you know, another match and given it more time. You don't need to get everyone on the show just because it's WrestleMania. Um, I will just say at a certain point as well, it's, it's like there's only so many matches we can say, oh, you don't need to just get them on the card because it's Mania. Like the... Uh, they do need matches, and like the the I think the issue becomes when there's this much filler, it's it's not really an indictment of ah uh, too many get them on the card because it's mania and there's it's 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 there's just too much nothing happening on all the TV they've got. They just don't build enough entertaining or, or rivalries or uh, storylines that make create matches that people want to see. You know, like how many times have like we we say the people in the matches are we're glad they're on the card or like i like their work or that kind of thing so the onus is on the company and the wwf to to create something that makes their matches have importance on a show of this magnitude like it, it you you need a card you need like however many matches 8 to 12 matches or whatever you've got including the pre-show stuff and like it just you, you have to build something at some stage that people care about, and I think this show is just a shining a spotlight. They they really failed to do that this year. I I completely agree with everything you said, but I, I do think that trying to squeeze eleven matches into three or four hours is still pretty egregious, and and try to make many of them mean anything uh, is probably more of a hope than a plan uh, when you're trying to squeeze this much shit into that short of amount of time. Uh, I think, you know, I think back to, and I know this comes up a lot, but I think back to the, probably the highest rated show that we've covered on this show in Canadian Stampede and had like four matches. And I think that's probably an egregious example of a show succeeding despite having not enough matches. But I think you can have an eight-match WrestleMania and probably split the difference between trying to get everybody who deserves it on the card and giving everything enough time to breathe and the crowd to breathe and not trying to rush stuff just to get it on TV. Yeah, if you compare it to WrestleMania 14, I think that's probably a fairer comparison because, like, 17's on another level. Like, But 14, you had... The mid-card had Mero and Sable versus Goldust and Luna. And that had a lot of build. And then you had Shamrock versus The Rock, which had a lot of build. And you compare it to this one, and even matched a match that we liked in Takeover Flair, basically had a month. 
and it's again just kind of backing on what to what Chris said. It's just like either you go for ramping up and and give everyone kind of like just as much as you can, like last year did, or you have long term storylines that pay off. And that's what I mean by Eric saying, if you only have eight matches like WrestleMania 14 did, as long as they're done well, people will like it and they will love it. Like we did that show. And that's, and by, uh, you know, listeners will know that we aren't as high on this show as we are on the other two. Yep. Anyway, back to you, Lacey. Let's see where the rest of the, where the rest of this show goes. I, I hear, I hear more wind coming in from upon yonder. Hurricane is now, you know, running through the backstage area, but he's, he's been caught. But thankfully, it's only by Jonathan Coachman. Coach asks if his behavior in the previous segment was befitting of a superhero. And he tells Coach, I'm not no hover perv. I'm the new hover hardcore champion. Thankfully, he's now joined by his trusted psychic, Mighty Molly, who says to the hover cycle, but oh, no, wait, it's a swerve. She whacks him over the head with a frying pan, of all things, and pins him to become the new hardcore champion. Mighty Molly Holly is the new hardcore champion, ladies and gentlemen. And can she escape the night? Well, we'll find out. And we leave it with you, Mr. Welling, to go through our first of the big, big matches that were, you know, pimped for this show, where we see Stone Cold Steve Austin going against the NWO's Scott Hall. Off we go. Austin's music hits, and unfortunately, I'm pretty sure Edge got a bigger pop, which is worrying. Hall makes his way to the entranceway and points to the to the ramp three times before big sexy Kevin Nash comes out. Still being as lazy as ever, Kevin Nash. Austin starts with mud hole stomping and, and piston like right hands and then a Lufres press, followed by more right hands and the elbow drop for a two. We then get a what chant heads into the turnbuckle spot about 10 to 12 times Hall hits the buckles. Hall then hightails out to the outside. Austin follows and beats on Hall whilst giving Nash a shot as well. Back in the ring, Hall takes control. We then get more awful what chance as Austin punches Hall, but he reverses and an Irish whip into the corner with an exposed turnbuckle. Nash and Hall pummel Austin on the outside. We then get a full away slam by Hall, which gets nice too. And then another hard class line gets another two. A weak spine buster by Austin breaks up quite a boring heat segment. More boring heat segment stuff goes out, carries on then for a little while until Austin hits a stunner out of nowhere. He covers for he covers for the objective free, but Nash pulls out the referee, enters and then wails on Austin. It is now a full blown handicap match. Hall goes it goes and gets a chair to hit Austin, but Austin fights out of the full Nelson and hits both the NW member NWO members with stunners. Jack Doan then slides into the ring, but then out Nash elbows him to break up the count. A horde of referees then surround the ring and send Nash to the back. Hall hits a stun on Austin, but he kicks out after a slow two. Hall tries again, but two stunners later, and it's all over. Hall gave a, quote, WrestleMania level sell to the last stunner. But unfortunately, in my opinion, that was the only WrestleMania level thing about this match. Uh, Chris White, what did you think of this? Do you agree with me? Yeah, I mean, the first yeah first thing is to praise the the sale job for the stunner there at the end which was great aside from that i thought this was pretty 
pretty rubbish. I mean, uh, Austin's like attitude backstage about this whole sort of scenario and working with Hall in the first place has been well documented. And I kind of just like I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> I I get it. Like after he had the 2001, which is probably one of the greatest single years that any professional wrestler has had certainly in like a television week like in an era where like weekly tv is is so important like austin's 2001 can't be overstated in in my mind and like like you said the the pop when he comes out and i I just think back to last year's wrestlemania and just the amount of boring tv which became must-see tv because stone cold was on my screen that i watched last year and and i'm just like this this sucks. Like this is a bad matchup. No one cares. The guys involved don't like it. And like, I, I just, I just feel like Hall and Nash didn't hold up their end of the bargain. I don't think either of them looked great when they had to do anything that wasn't throw a punch. Um, like the crowd woke up, woke up a bit after Nash's first interference. But I just feel like the two of them have dropped off from their respective peaks so significantly and like i can see why austin's pissed off about like well it is not so much being in a in a quote mid-card spot but just just being in this scenario it just like saps the i don't know significance out of the stone cold steve austin character that's been pretty pivotal to nearly everything great in the wwf over the last however many years um this was a huge disappointment and i didn't really have great expectations so i i was i i felt i felt let down by this match eric man there's just so much to say here uh i don't know the answer to this so is is nash hurt or is he hurt so much that he couldn't work like a 10 minute tag match or was he just not booked to wrestle He's just not booked to wrestle because he has three matches in two weeks on TV. Right. That was why I was confused. Okay. So uh, I don't know how we would get there, um, and I'm not going to go through it because these shows are long enough. But if you're going to, if you need Holland Nash on this card, and you obviously do, like work in Angle and just do Austin and Angle versus Holland Nash, like third from the top, and make it, it make it a fun match. That allows everybody to get their shit in, and Austin Angle go over clean as a sheet, and Holland Nash can then deal with Hogan still later on. Like that's better. And I don't know how to get there, but this match was just a travesty, and it's really sad because Scott Hall five years ago was just like a, a wrestler built in a laboratory, and now he's just a shell of his former self, and he's not that old, and he still looks good, I guess, in a pair of trunks, but he's a shell of of what he was when he was Razor Ramon. And it's too bad to see because Austin's bump card is obviously filling up fast. And, you know, I don't know how many more top mania spots he's going to have ahead of him, hopefully three, four or five more. But, you know, they're they're not going to be they're not infinite. And to waste one here in this match in this spot is disappointing, to say the least. Lacey, bring it home. As everyone has said, other than Scott Hall's selling of the stunner, this was a giant. And crock of shit. And I agree with Eric. I haven't even write, written down in my notes 
why the fuck was this not a tag match with Austin Angle defending the WWF against the Poison? You could have had, you know, if you want, you know, Angle to still be a boy with Vince and the NWO to be Vince's still. You could have had them all turn on Austin at the end. You know, there are things you could have done. This match had nothing. As everyone said, Hall is a fucking shell of himself. Nash is a shell of himself. But clearly didn't want to work. You know, it doesn't work for me, brother, because he's probably got some weird creative shit that he used to have. Yet he then worked Raw, SmackDown, and the Raw after, but that's fine. Yeah, it is no idea why they did this is a one-on-one. Austin clearly didn't want to do it, didn't want to be there, and he phoned it in. And I think, and I don't, I don't want to say this because obviously it's not not the best thing to say. I don't think Hall is in the right place mentally and physically to be working. He he needs to go and look after himself and not be doing this shit. Yeah, it's it's an awful show around. I mean, it was technically a singles match, but again, I don't understand why it's not even a handicap match. Just just have Hall and take the, the brunt of it if you know we want to try and give Austin a little bit of something, if we want him to be the... the the poster boy of the fight against the NWO poison, you know, what kind of, this was the, this was the most like, underdog baby face you could get in 1989 against Vince McMahon and all of the WF machinery. And now he has to have all the referees come out and force Nash to the back in order to stand a chance. You know, surely Austin could have had something where he could beat up both men and then have a, post-match beat down to get some heat back if they wanted to do that but nope it it's it for all we know it could be backstage politicking like we all warned you about in january when these people come coming in it could just be that they just don't want to do anything creative with this angle and just want austin and hall want to do other things well mainly austin and uh, yeah as someone as Lacey said scott hall needs to not be on regular television for a long time that just it just does not look in a good spot and nash is the same lazy individual that we had throughout 1999 and 2000 and is of no real use to this company whatsoever i just hope that this isn't doing very bad long-term damage to stone cold steve austin's character because the injuries the mental toll that he's had to you know on his body for the last four years since SummerSlam 97 I hope is not really wearing him down because I'm worried about him I'm really worried that this is going to make Stone Cold Steve Austin the biggest wrestling draw of the last five years become just another guy and can you imagine how travesty that would be yeah it doesn't it doesn't bode well and on so, that happy note, they we get <laughs> we get to go and see what fan access looks like, also known as 
loads of pervy dickheads holding Stacey Keebler's bum because they made a model of it. What time do we live in, boys and girls? What a fucking time. Um, so that, you know, you see everyone there going, how great it is to speak to all the fans, the usual hype video for access. We then go into our tag team four-way elimination match. And Mr. White, it's over to you. Yep, so we have uh, Billy and Chuck uh, defending their WWF tag team titles against the APA, the Hardys and the Dudleys. Standard sort of rules for this type of match. Any two guys legal at one time, and if one guy takes the fall, that team is outright eliminated. Crowd is pretty dead early on uh, during a lot of APA versus Billy and Chuck action, which consisted mostly of uh, Bradshaw big boots. Eventually, the Dudleys get involved, and the crowd do too. Farouk hits a spinebuster and Bubba following up one, following up with one to Chuck on the outside. Bradshaw, who's not the legal man, hits a clothesline from hell to Billy. This is quickly followed by the Dudleys running in, hitting the 3D on him, which is enough to put him away and eliminate the APA. The Hardys finally get involved to hit some double-team offence on Devon and Billy before we get a horrible-looking double DDT on Chuck, who basically ends up just doing a handstand. On the floor, Dudley set up a table, but get cut off by a baseball slide and diving crossbody to the outside from the Hardy boys. In the ring, Jeff hits the whisper in the wind on Bubba and removes his shirt. Stacy jumps on the apron, pulls her shorts up and tries to distract him. He slaps her behind before grabbing her, stealing a kiss and shoving her off the apron. What a baby face. Uh, Bubba has Jeff on his shoulders, uh, so Billy hits the shoulder block off the top. The Dudleys work over Jeff with Bubba hitting a backdrop and getting on a chin lock. The Dudleys continue isolating Jeff until he's able to counter the neck drop from Devon. He gets the hot tag to Matt, who uh, lays in shots on all four of his competitors. Eventually, Devon goes up for the WhatsApp drop, but uh, Billy shoves him off the top and Devon goes crashing through the table on the outside. Matt hits a twist of fate on a distracted Bubba. Jeff follows with a swanton bomb and Matt covers to eliminate the Dudleys. Matt hits a twist of fate on Chuck and Jeff follows again with another swanton. The ref tells Matt to leave the ring. Billy takes advantage of distraction and hits the famous on Jeff. Matt gets a clothesline uh, on Billy. Uh, Chuck gets a cover and Jack kicks out too, which was a good uh, near fall there. Billy runs into the ring and hits Jeff with a belt shot uh, while Chuck is distracting the ref. And uh, Chuck is then able to get the cover and pick up the win to retain the titles just before the 14 minute mark. Eric, what you make of this? Uh, I guess this match was fine. Um, it's tough to it's tough to you know squeeze this in between the match we just talked about and the match that's coming coming next like these guys didn't stand a chance to make uh any sort of imprint on the show whatsoever and they didn't um i think this was just a hey we've got too much stuff going on so stay the course you know get everybody on the show billy and chuck keep the belts and we'll deal with it we'll deal with this uh, issue down the line when it's not so crowded um but yeah the in general and i know this has kind of been discussed here and there over the last few months i think but state of the wwf tag team division uh basically since the merger is pretty pretty rough and i don't know if i'm ready to close the book on this you know little golden era of wwf tag team wrestling that we've had over the last few years but you know it's looking pretty dry on the vine um and this match is no exception to that so i do like billy and chuck i think it's a hilarious gimmick but 
you know, I don't know that that's how you want to treat your tag division at WrestleMania if you plan to feature it anytime soon. Dan? I mean, Eric's not willing to close the book, but I am. I've written this notes down my sh- on my cards to say this is the death nail of the Attitude Era tag division. How the hell have we gone for the Hardys and the Dudley Boys headlining probably one of the most beloved series of matches to being jobbed out by Billy and Chuck? That's all I'm going to say. And I know that we need fresh blood. I know that we need fresh blood to make a relatively stale division in September, October 2001 to have to be reunited. But we can definitely do do better than Billy and Chuck. Well, and fresh blood billy gunn in the tag team division he's been in there for nine years and he's a 48 time tag champion like i don't know that that's the fresh blood that you're intending to represent there i mean you've got lance storm like say what you will about you know having him having no charisma but surely a no charisma like technically brilliant wrestler just leads itself to the tag division and like, just put him in there with somebody else that you want to, you have no use for, and just get him in there and just do something, rather than Billy Gunn, who we've seen over and over again, like you mentioned, and Chuck Palumbo, who was probably the least interesting member of the Natural Born Thrillers. Like, again, just why are we doing this match? It's one for thirteen minutes. Give that time to RVD Regal or Edge Booker T, or even the women's match, and like we're going to have later done in the show, and just give them some more time. But yeah. Probably the lowest moment of the show, in my opinion, this match is just boring, stale, like just this makes me feel sad from where we were. And it's, you know, 998 levels of bad. The one positive I will say about this match is like a sale as the Hardys and the Dudleys have felt at times having them here was so much better than APA versus Billy and Chuck would have been on its own. Um, at, at, at the very least, that's like the only saving grace. They're like it could have been worse. Um, we've been there, but yeah, this is quite the fall from the, the tag title match last year. Lacey, yeah, uh, bring us home for this one. Yeah. So boys and girls, not to, you know, dampen the spirits more, but it will get worse. Because they've just split up the Dudleys, they've just split up the APA. They have split up tag teams here, here, there, and everywhere in, in the brand split. So all of our redeeming tag teams are gone. And uh, let's see, have they given a fuck about anyone other than the ones that are already there already? No. So I would imagine this is only going to get worse. For this match, though, I actually found it quite enjoyable. It was. It was a good little palate cleanser after, you know, the dross that was Austin and Hall. Yeah, it it, it was what I needed. At, well, I think it was about half two this match was on when we were watching it live. It was, it was just that, that bit of energy that I needed to, to carry on watching live. And thank fuck I did. But yeah, it was all right. It, this is one of those matches that could be on any pay-per-view and it will always just be all right. It's never going to be anything more than that. We go backstage and we see Nash and Hall saying that Austin just got lucky. And Hollywood Hogan tells the NWO 
that he doesn't need their help. But what I do hear is something upon yonder. Whatever could it be? I'm afraid Molly Holly didn't have the woo sound effect. I just get I guess the radiation just didn't seep into her body to, to generate that sound. But we see her running through the back, constantly checking behind her. All of a sudden, she's smashed in the face by a swinging door at a 90 degree angle. And who is this mystery assailant? Stand back. There's a new champion coming through. Yes, it's the best mid-carder in the Fed right now. That's Christian, by the way. And who he is now, the hardcore champion. And all is right with the world. So we now have arguably the real main event of this show. And so much so that I'm going to play the promo video for the build-up. Here, it's time for Icon versus Icon. Rock versus Hogan. Well, ladies and gentlemen, a year ago, we would have thought this match could have never occurred. But there's only one place, only one stage for this match. WrestleMania 18, The Rock versus Hollywood Hulk Hogan in one heartbeat. You know, guys, it feels great to be back in this ring in the WWF. I mean, the WWF made Hulk Hogan a legend. But you know something? Something happened. And then you people turned on me. The WWF fans drove me out of the WWF. I'm the reason all you people are here. I'm the one that put the WWF on the map. I'm the one that made wrestling as big as it is today. There's nobody in this business that's a bigger icon than I am. I'm the biggest star, past or present, in the wrestling world today, and they'll never ever be a bigger star than Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan and The Rock in the same ring. Who would have thought they would have ever seen Hogan and The Rock? It was not the people that drove you out of the WWF. They loved you. They believed in you. And damn it, The Rock believed in you. You are a legend. You are, without a shadow of a doubt, an icon, quite possibly the best ever. And seeing as you are back in the WWF, you talked about headlining, main eventing, WrestleMania after WrestleMania after WrestleMania. Well, Hulk Hogan, The Rock says, how do you feel about headlining one more WrestleMania with The Rock? Yes. to kick your ass at Wrestlemania. And by the way, Rock, good luck, because you're going to need it. Not as much as you, brother. Oh, wait a minute! Oh, brother! <laughs> the Rock just drilled Hollywood Hogan! Oh, brother! The immortal Hulk Hogan versus The Rock at Wrestlemania as The Rock bows down to Hollywood Hulk Hogan. You're pitiful, Rock. After I beat you, Rock, you're going to realize that you're ordinary. You're common. All these millions and millions of fans who are my fans first are going to see me kick your candy ass at 100% of WrestleMania. See, Hogan, you can beat The Rock in a tag. You can take a hammer to the back of The Rock's head. You can try to end my career. But the fact remains. 
Reigns is there is no way that he's not going to walk into WrestleMania, the biggest match ever. What the can he ask? One, two, three. A match for the ages. The Rock and Hogan at WrestleMania one-on-one. A match that the world thought would never, ever happen. Hollywood Hulk Hogan, he will make his 10th appearance at WrestleMania. His first in nine years in the challenge for Hulk Hogan is the future of the World Wrestling Federation, The Rock. Wrestling's past, wrestling's future. This is WrestleMania, baby! So you would have just heard that package that got played and also the very beginning part of Hogan coming out and that reaction that he gets. Hogan's reaction is insane. They both get into the ring and they square up to each other and they are taking their time. They are milking this as the crowd is fucking ravenous. We get a big lock up and Hogan powers out and poses a headlock into a shoulder block and more posing. Hulk with some knees and a beat down. We see the axe bomber. But then Rock hits a flying clothesline and gives us the just bring it. More shoving, some punches and Rock hits the spit punch and a clothesline. And Rock goes to the Rock Bomb, but it's blocked. Hogan with punches, elbow drops, the dirty, nasty heel foot scrape, a corner clothesline. Rock hits a spear and then into punches. At this point, you can genuinely hear that the crowd are turning on the Rock. Hogan with a back suplex gets a two, puts in an abdominal stretch and then goes for a roll up for a two. Back rakes, punches and biting. Rock starts with some chops. Hogan hits a rough looking choke bottom and then starts choking him with the tape. Rock with punches, but Hulk then launches him over the top. They brawl outside and the Rock smashes Hogan into the table. Hogan hits a lariat and back into the ring. Rock bumps the ref. Hogan with more punches. 
Rock hits the spine buster and puts the sharpshooter on. Hogan taps, but the ref is out. And we get some really, really loud vocal Rocky sucks chants. Hogan with a low blow and then a rock bottom of his own for a two. Takes off his belt and starts whipping the shit out of Rock. Rock then hits a DDT and grabs the belt and whips Hogan. A rock bottom that gets a two. Hulk hulks up and we get the traditional punches, big boot and leg drop. But it gets a two. A second big boot, but he misses the leg drop. Rock hits a rock bottom and a second. The people's elbow and gets the win. Post-match, they're face-to-face and Hulk offers his hand. The outsiders come out and they beat down Hulk. Rock then comes, makes the save. Rock and Hogan share each other in the ring. Rock gets Hogan to do Hogan pose. This is a fucking masterpiece. It is the perfect WrestleMania match. Heel Hogan as we expected, came out to that reaction. He became the face and wrestled this in the the facey way that he does. Even though him as a good guy, he still cheats. Rock knew how to switch his role and be the heel in this match. The crowd all the way through this were fucking nuclear. This should have been the main event. This should have gone on last. This is what WWF sports entertainment WrestleMania matches are at their best. Fight me on it. Welling. Yeah. This was probably in the higher echelon of the most entertaining matches I've ever seen. Um in the same way I think Hogan versus Andre would be one of the most entertaining matches I've ever seen. It is a masterclass in how to work a crowd. They Hogan and Rock didn't do anything flashy or fancy. They just hit their spots that they do every week on house shows, but found way to get the crowd to react perfectly and exactly how they wanted to do it based on what the crowd reactions were when they came out for everything they did. I would love to know what would happen if Hogan got muted or booed reaction how this match would be different but what we got was yeah a masterclass by two like of the best crowd manipulators in the game you know the rock has you know has always got a little bit of a of a heel in him from what he did in 98 99 and his subtle heel work here was was very strong like holding on to the sharpshooter after hogan gets to the ropes for longer than it needed to be. Then kicking the ref just a bit slightly just to wake him up after the after the ref bump. And then that starts the Rocky Sucks chance. Like just at the right time to get the crowd into the next gear before the whipping. And then he whips Hogan with the belt like even more strongly than he may have done if it was just a pure babyface match. And then we get to the, the point where Hogan hooks up after the rock bomb. And even I... The most ardent anti Hulk Hogan, you know, wrestling fan on this podcast fraternity got goosebumps 
JR's calls are, are exceptional as he hits him with the leg drop. He beat Andre the Giant with that move just to give some history to this incredible match and the rock kicks out. It's just one of those moments where you just have to be like, okay, that's just absolutely why you love this game. Um, and again, I, I would love to have been a fly on the wall just to see what they would plan to do if they didn't get these reactions that they they planned. Me, I, I imagine they probably planned maybe one or two to three different scenarios in case you know Hogan was just like a good nostalgia pop at the start, but then full blown. No, we're gonna we'll go we'll go with the pre-match alignment of face heels, you know, all the way for the all the way for the crowd. But yeah. Um, I would normally be moaning about how a heel dominating the start of the match like Hogan did. I would be bemoaning, you know, Hogan generally behaving as he does. And like, and I don't think he has, quote, gained a step since leaving, leaving WCW. He's still working as 2000, you know, really crap, <laughs> to put it bluntly, Colt Hogan. He couldn't get over the top rope when The Rock gave him the the smackdown right hand he, there's a lot of really you know flunky and really flaky looking slams and he still looks too gassed he looks like what he was in the early 90s let alone say like nine, wrestlemania 9 or you know his, his wcw run with his muscles like he's, he looks like he's put too much muscle mass back on again which is affecting his ability to move at his age but if you want proof as to why the rock is a is a superstar this is the match you show them and you want to know why Hulk Hogan has such a fucking big head. You listen to that crowd reaction he got and then you understand why he has, he is so bloody annoying to work with because he's one of the only few men in this industry that could get that reaction as a heel. So yeah, a masterclass in an entertaining match. It wasn't the best in-ring work match. If this was on mute, you probably would think this was shit. Uh, much of what this match was was in WCW. We got in 99 and 2000, and it was fucking shit. But you caught because you've got that crowd. It's a masterclass. Funny how these things work. Wait. Well, it's funny you mentioned watching it on mute. I did watch it on mute a second time just to just to test this, and I can confirm it was pretty shit. But uh, in terms of like reaction and emotion. It's probably as good as pro wrestling gets in those metrics. Um, I, I I feel a little bit. I'm not trying to be contrarian because I agree wholeheartedly with the the masterclass uh, sort of like title that's been awarded to this match. But I, I I feel that there's to a degree that we may be overstating the individual masterclass of these men based on this match rather than sort of like the the full careers and the where they've done it on multiple occasions before in terms of like i'm not sure they could have gone out there and done anything in the ring that wouldn't have got this reaction like i i made a note to myself like uh i, I wonder what point on the night someone backstage looked at vince and vince turned and went oh fuck they should have gone on last and like it it was probably when uh like Hogan appeared backstage to talk to Hall and Nash earlier and the pop from the crowd was louder than anyone out in the arena that night just by him appearing on the screen like I'm not sure 
there was that, that I, I don't know in the eyes of this crowd there's anything that they could have done that wouldn't have gone this way because like you said this was this was very much like you said dan this is very much hogan of the last couple of years um like he's not he's not like uh found a new step exactly as you say and it and it garners this reaction because of the the spectacle and and the build and the, the hype all of which is sort of generated beforehand on the names of these men this is still like a an incredible spectacle but it again it is like one of those things where it's like it has to be noted like it, it's similar to the the warrior match like it's it's a match where hogan's looking to sort of like we look at this as him maybe passing the torch generation to generation and he's passing the torch to the rock in storyline but he he kind of took the torch back from the rock you know like and it, it, like it, you, you don't really even understand how or why it's happened until it's happened but the, the reaction for hogan here and then on raw the following night it's just like something's changed and he's become more over than i ever thought he would get in this run like i think about no way out and it's lukewarm at best i think about the the night after and it's lukewarm at best and then they they obviously run the angle and 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 start building to this and it and it turns into something where it's like for reasons inexplicable reasons hogan is just comes off as the biggest star that has ever lived in this industry you know like that's that's just how he feels when you get a crowd going like this and i i saw a stat uh this week that is like in terms of like um money in terms of like radio ads and tv ads this was the most money the wwf had ever spent on promoting a show and all of it was geared around this and i i think it just it just worked it's a master class of of work but i think first and foremost it's a master class of promotion yeah <clears throat> well, yeah, I've got some stats to back you up. So it's just one thing I was going to say. Obviously, you said there about this is very Hogan of the last few years. This has been Hogan all his fucking career. He's yeah. never been a, you know, five-star classic match guy. You know, you're not getting work rate out of Hogan. Hogan does his shit. He wrestles like a heel, but the fans love him. He bites, he scrapes, he punches. He hits the big boot and he wins. That's that's been that since back in you know eighty four eighty five. This was I, I don't know whether it was just because of the promotion or whether it's because it was against the Rock, but this is lightning in a bottle and an amazing moment. Uh, Eric, guys, this was not an accident. You're seeing no. This was not an accident in any measure. I invite you to consult Jared Diamond's Guns, Germs, and Steel, where basically everything happens because of geography, and that's a very sloppy way of putting it. But this was not an accident. This was in Toronto, of all the places everywhere that Hulk Hogan was ever the biggest draw in the history of wrestling, even at his peak. It was Toronto more than New York, more than Philadelphia, more than anywhere. 
It was Toronto. This is the third card since 1986 that he's headlined that has drawn over 60,000 people in that city. It's un, it's it's not a coincidence. This was set up to play out exactly how it did, um, and they did it perfectly. Hulk Hogan was always going to be cheered here. There was no chance he wasn't going to be cheered. And I think that they knew that, and they played to it perfectly. This was just an absolute master class, but by no means was it an accident. So what were your feelings on the actual match itself, Eric? Oh, exactly like the Warrior match. It's like this is you, you turn the sound off, you turn off the energy, you turn off the commentary. And credit to JR here, like one of the biggest reasons that that warrior hogan match came off as well as it did at wrestlemania 6 was because gorilla monsoon uh and jesse called it perfectly and credit to king and jr here uh, king laid out and let jr do his thing and king left the shtick at the door um and they called it like uh, a match should be called and it was great and they worked the crowd and they did exactly what these two guys should have done but by no means like Chris White's experiment uh, demonstrated, is this going to be taught in wrestling school for anything but how to do crowd work? Um, this was not a work rate classic. Um, Eddie Guerrero uh, should not feel threatened. Um, so uh, the match was perfect, but it was not a great wrestling match. It was just a perfect spectacle where everything came together. And, you know, that's what Hogan does when he when when the stars align and boy did they align here so we follow this with a segment that will make chris cry with tears of joy as we see that the big show is relegated to wwe new york we go into our penultimate match of the evening which is our freeway women's title match between jazz leader and Trish, and I hand you over to Eric. And the show takes a precipitous a precipitous decline in almost every area. Um, Lita and Jazz battle before Trish gets in. Uh, Jr. and King just talk about Trish's body the entire match, and that's all I'll say about that. Uh, Jazz man handles Trish. She throws Lita around and gets a two, uh, a snap, a double arm suplex on Trish sends her out of the ring. Uh, again, I put it in my notes, King spends absolutely 0% of this match talking about anything but how much he wants to bed Trish and Lita. Uh, Trish disappears for a little while to let Lita and Jazz battle. She reappears to get a roll-up on Jazz for a two. Lita gets a crossbody on Trish for a two. Trish nails Lita with a kick and a bulldog for a two. Jazz gets a splash for a two. King says, don't hurt the puppies. Jazz gets a nice fisherman suplex for a two. Now... Trish and Lita double-team Jazz before firing fists back and forth. Uh, Trish lands on her side uh, out of a back body drop. That looked painful. The twist of fate on Jazz and a slam on Trish. Lita tries a moonsault but gets Trish's knees for a two. Uh, Jazz pops up after lying motionless on the canvas uh, to get a backslide on someone for a two. Lita sends Jazz out. Lita and Trish uh, battle, and a counterspot ends up with Trish being beeled out of the ring. Uh, we find ourselves on the top rope, and Jazz nails a Fisherman's Buster on Lita and gets the 1-2-3. And I'll say two things about this match. One, this is a match you should watch with the commentary off. And two, 
Um, the result was probably the most surprising thing on the card, considering we were in Canada and Trish didn't uh, go over. Um, we'll go to Chris White uh, for his thoughts. It's, I mean, I guess if you, you're going to say that the Hogan rock equivalent is Shane versus Vince last year, then then maybe this is. Uh, uh, but I would I would more argue there isn't an equivalent to Hogan rock last year. So with that being said. I think this is one of the only matches on the show that is better than its WrestleMania 17 equivalent, um, which is a low bar. But I remember we pretty unanimously weren't great fans of the inauthenticity of the China match last year. So I was looking to praise this where I could because I just felt so sorry for these women because there's has there ever been a more impossible match to follow in the history of the WWF like like in terms of like a, a, a positive crowd reaction and then having to go out there like I, I I don't know that you could make it work uh, anyone could make it work apart from just what sending Hogan back out there to, to, to pose like there's there's no there's nothing you can do here and I think they tried gotta get some, so gotta get hard some gold, brother um yeah and i mean like trish even with her very canadian outfit like it just the crowd just could care less like there's no uh, i i felt very sorry for them um that being said i'm trying to find ways to be nice and this was not good um but i don't know that it could have been and that's probably the kindest I can be about it. Yeah, I think Jazz has potential to be a real wrestler. She just needs to put in the ring with other real wrestlers. Uh, Lacey, your thoughts? I liked this match. It was um, it was good for what what the time they had, and seeing that they really were in the death spot, at least they they did something with it. If this was on any other pay-per-view the rest of the year, this would get glowing sort of comeback for a WWF women's match. The fact it had to follow Hogan Rock, King's fucking commentary, again, is another reason why I hate the fact that fucking we don't have Heyman on commentary because it wouldn't have been that shit all the way through. I fucking hate the king. Fuck off. It was it was as good as they could do. As I said, it's as good as they could have done. But you just feel sorry for them and wish that they'd have you know maybe if they'd have gone on prior to the Austin Hall match or something, it would have got a better reaction and they could have put you know Booker and Edge in this spot. Yeah, Welling, anything to add to this uh, match, cla- Matt Classic? Yeah, I I did a Chris White and watched this match twice. I watched it straight through the first time round and was nonplussed. And I watched the second time round with fresh eyes and liked it a lot more, um, which again kind of shows you how much work the guys put in, the girls put in, sorry. And I think that there is a lot of seeds here for something that's really, you know, good you know jazz and trish had a fairly good match well the, the shoots of a good match at the royal rumble and i think we've got we're getting there again 
Um, and I think Trisha's improvement in the ring is, is is definitely noticeable. I think she's probably gone ahead of Lita in terms of how technically good she is. Um, and yeah, as Eric said, I'm really shocked that she didn't go over in this match, considering like again, hometown crowd give the homes what they want. It felt like a no-brainer, but maybe they changed their minds after seeing how much how gas the crowd were, and like we don't really can't give them another thing to cheer for because otherwise they'll be even more gassed for the main event. But I I think there is definitely shoots of of something really you know good coming here in the, in the women's division. Jazz is is a is incredibly good anchor to build you know or an anchor to build around someone who's you know coming through in, in Trish and and Lita can you know needs to kind of get her ass in gear and just start to improve in the same way that Trish is really because she's been relying on her her character and her just her innate coolness to be over. But when you've got someone as good in the ring as Jazz and someone who's who's improving by the minute in Trish, you know, I would like to see more from Lisa going forward, if I'm being honest with myself. But watch this match again, I think, to everyone listening to this show. It's better than what a lot the like the 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 pay-per-view would imply given what they had to follow. Well, uh, maybe we'll do that, uh, but probably not anytime soon, if I'm being honest. Uh, but this next match, um, talk about an, an, enviable, an, an, an enviable position uh, for two guys going on last. Uh, Chris Lacey, tell us all about it. Before that, I hear a taxi. Who, did someone order a taxi? It's so beautiful. I can almost see myself in the mirror, says Christian, as he's just about to drive away with his hard-won, hardcore title. But just before he's about to get into the taxi and drive away, that dastardly maven sneaks up behind him and rolls him up for a quick pinfall. He gets the free. He regains his hardcore title, drives away into the night, leaving Christian to have another mini temper tantrum outside. And we're all back where we started at the start of the night, ladies and gentlemen. Um, enough goes over at WrestleMania. (laughs) I'll just point that out. Now that we're at the end of all of this hardcore title chicanery. Um, Eric, we'll start with you as, as the guy who's probably the most anti-hardcore title of the entire crew. What did you think of of this whole night's chicanery? Uh, I was actually like, if you're going to do this hardcore title thing, this is probably the way I would have done it. Like, I think it did add uh, some levity to the show. It did allow it to breathe at times. Uh, some of the spots were were pretty clever, especially the Molly into the double door that looked pretty good um and yeah i think if you're gonna do this um you know no this was perfectly harmless right and i think this probably even deserved a spot on the card more than some of the matches that we've discussed just because it did actually serve a purpose and uh i think having it just go back to maven is kind of you know represents what this whole division is all about and as i kind of was blurting out before he threw it to me like and i'm happy to see tough enough go over at wrestlemania that that warms my heart so yeah absolutely zero complaints about this perfectly good fun uh to to lighten up a card between some pretty serious storylines chris white yeah i i largely agree i mean like ideally like i think you can use the hardcore title more similar to x7 where it's it's a a, you add an element of variety to the matches so you get less sort of six minute tv plus matches that that like 
we've seen throughout the card tonight. But I, I guess a way of adding sort of variety and brevity to a show is having these segments that uh, like might elicit a sort of half smile at the very least. You know, like they're they're perfectly entertaining. They are uh, inoffensive, and um, uh, yeah, I don't really have any complaints uh, about them. I think they're a perfectly nice addition to to a pay per view. Um, and certainly if you were choosing like a, a toilet break moment, it wouldn't be one of these hardcore title skits, but more one of the earlier, less heated matches on the show. Lacey, um, you're generally more of a fan of the funniest side of wrestling alongside myself. What did you make of these uh, backstage segments? See, I really, I just found this funny. Um, it was a good little thread to go through the whole night. The original hardcore match was bollocks. Uh, Maven and Goldust was an utter bag of shit. But everything post that was funny. Um, things like normally uh, pay-per-view, you already, especially at Mania, like prior to the match or after the match, you'd get an interview with who won or who's about to have a match and has to be said I preferred these than having some bland generic promo because other than The Rock every other backstage promo that we've had this evening has been shit um so yeah give me more hardcore title being used like this please and thank you That's There's it. a hurricane gone outside. If you're, just give me more whoosh sound effects into, <laughs> into my WrestleMania, and I'll happily give it an extra half a point. And then give me some more Christian being an absolute dickhead, and then I'll give it probably another extra point. There we go. That's my review of the hardcore titles scene. So we will go into the main event of the evening. The undisputed heavyweight title match, seeing the returning Royal Rumble winning Hunterhurst Helmsley going against the first ever undisputed champion, Y2J Chris Jericho. And to tell us all about this and being played down by saliva, Mr. White, I hand it to you. Lacey, are you sure? I've got in my notes here, it was, was it not Triple H versus Stephanie McMahon with Chris Jericho? Uh, like, <laughs> oh, okay, sorry, I, I, I must have just been a bit confused. Did, did I write it down wrong? I, I thought this was Hunter versus Steph, but there we go. Um, the promo package her, had, had the closing image of her screaming into, with her wedding dress on. Like, how, how is it <laughs> in the main event? I mean, it, it was a bold choice to go with Steph in the main event over Hogan, but let's see if it paid off. I could have put Steph over Hogan. <laughs> Nepotism at its best. There you go. And I genuinely don't know who would win that match. That's the scary thing. You know, you know, you do know deep down. There's no, there's, there's no way it ends any other way. It's a double DQ. Ah, yeah, come back for the second count of rounds, yeah. You've got to build to the rematch, brother. Got to make, gotta make the towns, brother. Uh, for the record here, my first note is Triple H looks bigger than I've ever seen him as he's played out to the ring. Um, 
he comes out with his uh, left leg taped and uh, very early on here he hits a uh, running high knee and then sells the idea that his leg is hurting so maybe he shouldn't have started with a running high knee. Uh, Jericho jumps uh, Hunter over the top to the floor. He goes up top, but uh, Hunter gets on the apron and throws him off onto the barricade and into the fans. Triple H hits a suplex on the outside before pulling apart the Spanish announce table, but Jericho kicks Triple H in the leg a few times and he retreats back into the ring. Jericho hits a running chop block to the leg. Triple H comes back and goes after Jericho's legs with elbows and a series of trips and a uh, leg trips and a shin breaker. He applies a figure four, but he's close to the ropes and Stephanie's able to rake his eyes, so he breaks the hold. Stephanie celebrates and is dragged up uh, onto the apron by Hunter. Jericho charges in, Hunter moves, and Jericho knocks Stephanie off the apron to the floor. Hunter rolls Stephanie inside the ring. He goes for a pedigree, but uh, Jericho comes off the top and hits a missile dropkick. He smashes Triple H's leg into the ring post and uh, as Stephanie puts the boots in while uh, Jericho's distracting the ref. Jericho works the knees. He looks on a figure four around the ring post and probably worth noting here, that's the least reaction I've ever seen that spot get. Uh, Hunter looks for a comeback, but Jericho gets a top, dropped old hold before Triple H is slightly more successful with his neck comeback attempt, hitting a neck breaker, clothesline, a knee smash, and a spine buster, which gets two. Jericho then counters a whip and sends Triple H to the outside. Jericho tears up the announce table, and he looks to apply the walls to Jericho on the announce table, uh, hardly impact to the uh, injury that Triple H suffered last year. He fight, uh, Hunter fights off uh, with a kick to the jaw. Triple H sets up for a pedigree on the table, but Jericho counters, gets a back body drop, and Hunter goes through the Spanish announce table. Jericho brings Hunter back in. He lands a lion stalk for a near fall. Jericho fights to get the walls, but Triple H battles out, looks for a pedigree, which Jericho prevents with some forearms before finally getting the walls of Jericho, but Hunter's able to power his way to the ropes. Jericho grabs a chair as Stephanie distracts El Hebner, but... Um, so, but this allows Hunter to take advantage and give Jericho a DDT on the chair, which gets two. Stephanie goes into the ring. Hebner gets the chair and she shoves Earl. Hunter grabs her by the hair and hits the pedigree on Steph, which gets the biggest pop of the match. Hebner rolls Steph out of the ring. So he misses Jericho hitting Triple H in the head with the chair. Jericho gets a near fall. Jericho looks for a pedigree of his own, uh, but Triple H counters with a slingshot into the corner. Jericho catches himself on the second rope, leaps at Triple H, but is caught with a kick to the gut and hit with a pedigree for the win. Triple H closes WrestleMania, our undisputed champion. Eric, what'd you make of this? It's so hard to judge because, like, it, am I wrong that this wasn't, like, too, this was a perfectly fine match? Like, I didn't have any complaints with the match itself. And. If this match had happened on this card somewhere else or may have entered a different card, even with the same result, which I'll talk about, I think we all would have been relatively satisfied. Like, this wasn't, there was nothing offensive about this, nothing that I found. I mean, you have two people that I would characterize as absolutely vanilla run of the mill workers in Triple H and Chris Jericho um, coming together to, you know, put together a match that probably satisfies and ticks every box of the WWF style. So, great. Um, I think the pedigree on Steph, like, questionable. Like, obviously, it was going to get a huge pop, and people have been building for that. But I don't know, man. Like, we're still doing the violence on women stuff in a in a top-level spot or at all. 
uh, and getting huge pops for it. I don't know. It's pretty rough. So uh, I wonder about that. Um, and then the other thing that I wonder about, and this is very selfish, is I went into this thinking, okay, Triple H wins, pro Jericho loses. Triple H loses, pro Jericho wins. And I'm thinking, okay, which outcome is worse? And I was thinking that Triple H winning this match and winning the title is probably worse because I I had thought that uh, this was going to lead to, and I think we're in store for, um, a long Triple H title reign, which I am not prepared for. And if Jericho had won this or kept the belt somehow, which was never going to happen, at least somebody other than Triple H could beat him uh, at some point in the near future. So unfortunately for me personally, there wasn't really a great outcome to this. I don't want to see a lengthy Triple H title match, but for this match as it was in the spot that they had to follow, um, they were never going to come out of this with anything, but um, probably wondering why this match came on last. But for what it was, it was fine. But, you know, through no, no fault of their own, it belonged somewhere else. Dan, over to you. Oof, uh, yeah, the crowd completely gassed. And I, yeah, do have some sympathy for both wrestlers. Probably would be a, you know, a, this is one of those matches that I would love to have just put in put and put them in with a different crowd and see what would how the reactions would have been. I'm I hit in my head Triple H has had a few matches like this where I think he gives the crowd a little bit too much credit in like, oh if by throwing, you know, this spot here, it will definitely draw a reaction because that's an old school sort of tactic and crowd normally don't bite when he's been working as a heel or babyface. So I wonder whether they actually would have got a lot of reactions even if they were in front of a better crowd so like the match itself i i, I honestly forgot that there was a table spot in here and i had to remember after you read it out chris because i was just this just passed me by this was very much a run-of-the-mill b-level kind of level match and i feel like we've got better instances of, of wrestlemania main events it wasn't offensively bad like taker and sid or or Sid and Hogan, or even Brett and Yoko, but it's definitely not a match I'm going to remember after this month. And that is probably an indictment more on this whole storyline and this whole Triple H as a top babyface level. Because I'm again, like, we'll go like we joked at the start here, but Stephanie is the main villain here, not Jericho. Like she was also on the cusp of doing like this sort of level of of insufferability as when she was manager of Kurt Angle back in the late 2000s. And thankfully they they moved her away and let Kurt breathe a little bit. But yeah, she's just a vacuum bag. When no if you put her next to somebody, they nobody can breathe if they get too close. Because she sucks all the air out of programs because she's such a sense of attention and so yeah Jericho had no chance and I <laughs> everyone knows who listens to the show regularly knows why views on Chris Jericho and I f- generally do think he had an opportunity to be a main event level chicken shit heel who caught, constantly managed to get away with holding the title but he was completely sidelined in this feud this was Triple H meant Triple H versus Stephanie as a main event program and basically this that's why I don't have that many hopes as to how this match would have played out, even in front of a hot crowd, because everybody knew Triple H was going to win. Nobody had any inkling that Jericho was going to 
even sneak out with the title in this match. And I don't think the match they put on was was good enough for people to to be won over from their current opinions. So that's my thoughts on the match. My thoughts on Triple H, the undisputed champion, as the top level babyface in the company. I really think they need to keep him and The Rock apart in this upcoming draft. There is, he is in uber try-hard mode right now. He is desperately trying to make everybody root for him and become the top guy. He is failing miserably, in my opinion. You look at what made Bret Hart, Austin, and The Rock so damn good baby faces, is that they made it seem effortless. Austin is effortless as a tough uber badass. The Rock is effortless as this jock who's just perfect and everyone is just in awe of his coolness. And Brett is just the most believable, earnest, workaholic babyface that everyone can get behind. Triple H is coming out here in a you know with balloon Popeye muscles, awful spray tan, and about a gallon's worth of oil. It is not the 80s at the minute. Granted, the crowd reaction earlier night made me think that it actually may be the 80s, but I still don't think that this look is going to get Triple H over in any way. And that's why I think there may be another opportunity for someone to come along and take the belt off him quite quickly because like they're they're keeping Undertaker strong. Like he has been probably the most overheel in the company, and I honestly think he would be a better champion right now than Triple H. And there's other people like the Rock can always just come along and take a belt if they need him to. You've got the given what happened on the Raw after WrestleMania, there's always that other option that I don't really want to think about right now, but it's a possibility. So yeah, I don't think Triple H is going to have a lengthy title reign, if I'm being honest with myself, because I just think he's not connecting with the crowd. And when push comes to shove, Vince will always put the belt on someone who does connect even if he will try his best to make people connect with Triple H, because if anyone's going to get a push, it's him. Um, and I said two months ago that the reaction he got at MSG warranted him getting a run as a top baby face. And I think we're already seeing the cracks coming, you know, coming because at the minute he's just not clicking for definitely for, for me with that look he's got. Uh, Dan, just like a hypothetical on the, on the match, I mean, I don't think any of us are going to be able to answer this because I don't I don't think we have. But I wonder if this is like a match that would benefit from being watched sort of with fresh eyes out of the context of having just sat through Hogan and, and Rock. Like, does anyone have any thoughts on whether that would make this a sort of more palatable main event? I did actually watch it a second time. And it is a decent B-show pay-per-view main event. It is not A-tier, it's not granddaddy anymore, but it's 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 a it's a passable main event. On the night it suffers because it follows Rock Hogan. But it's passable. The problem is because of the build, and even since what the fourth of January was it? Was that fateful day that he came back? We knew that Trips was going to be the champion. So the build also hampers it just as much as 
following Rock and Hogan is yeah. Most of the times, you know that the title will change hands at WrestleMania. It, it's what happens the majority of the time. But there's usually that. But will it definitely? With this, it was foregone. It was a foregone conclusion. Um, the match itself was alright. As I said, you know, rewatching it a second time without watching the rest of the whole show. As I said, it's a decent B-level pay-per-view main event. But it it is far too predictable and you've got the the violence against Steph thing that I will go over again later on in later in the month. That just I just don't think that's needed. I I think I was slightly higher on this match than a couple of you. I, I I have to say I quite enjoyed it. Like even in the context of the whole show. I think I appreciate like I agree entirely with the predictability of it and I I think what I kind of appreciated and it, it caught me off guard a little bit is like i was fully expecting this to go like 25 28 minutes and it still was like oh, yes this is a great point yes exactly i i i really i i, I think it was just a shade under the longest match of the night i think the longest match of the night ended up being taker and flair um but th- them going 18 is like I think it it worked so like if they'd have tried to drag this out to near half hour main event pay-per-view a style match like I think it would have fallen apart but I think there was enough here and like yeah they they kind of they got the crowd in the end you know and I I think like JR did a <sighs> try tried his absolute best to say that like there are a lot of great moments on this show but nothing could top this like top the win of triple h and all of this and it's like well i mean we have eyes and we have ears and we've seen hogan rock but i i i genuinely thought this was pretty good um but i and probably greater than the sum of its parts because i i, I agree with the assessment of many people like the majority of us are on sort of what a, a a vacuum of like watchability stephanie can be sometimes um and and for a wrestlemania main event program that's had a pretty rubbish build i think they got in there and, and delivered a good match So, we will go to our overall thoughts and feelings on the show. And we will start with Mr. Welling. What were your overalls on the show as a whole? And give us a score. So, obviously, this has just got an outstanding highlight. And there's nothing I would call bad on this show apart from the tag match. So... When I when I look at you know uh, again I always say five out of ten is like the benchmark. If I was if I paid money, would I be happy with the you know seeing the show and just for that Rock Hogan match? Yes, I would be. But ultimately, if I look at the show and go, what else was there that I really enjoyed? The answer is Take a Flare, and that's it. Everything else was like decent opener, you know, RBD Regal, but everything else on the show was 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 B level pay per view slash Raw main event. 
and ultimately a, in my opinion, a very disappointing main event. Um, so I can't really go much higher than a five. So, but just because, you know, as I said, the Wuxing and the Christian hardcore title chicanery, I'm going to give that an extra bonus mark of 5.5. Whitey? Well, I, I sometimes like to do a run through of the card and kind of like, right, I'm starting on a five, middle of the pack, and then sort of work my way through the matches and how they kind of make me feel. I mean, the opener, Van Damme and Regal, a, a flat, like, no change, not good enough to warrant going up a mark, definitely not taking anything off. Same for the second. Hardcore title match, I'm going to knock a mark off. Angle Kane, I'm going to leave it flat, so we're on a four. Take a flare, we're back up to five. Keeping it flat again for Edge and Booker. I'm knocking a mark off for Austin and Hall. <sighs> I don't want to knock off them. Two marks off that one. Yeah, I, I think cumulatively that and the tag title match, two go. So I think we're at, what, are we at a three? And then we get to Rock and Hogan. It's just the question of how many do I want to add for that match, which is the real question. Um for, probably at least two and then I think flat for the women's match and I'm going to give it a plus for the main event so I think that comes out at six I mean someone's going to listen to this back and be like your maths is fucking terrible but I think that comes out at six out of ten and when I run through the card and do that and I land on a six and I say a six out loud I'm very comfortable with it so it's a huge drop off from last year, but I don't think this is a bad show and it's a decent pay-per-view, but this is WrestleMania. So six out of 10. Eric. I think I completely agree with Chris White's grading system, except then in my system, you have to run it through the WrestleMania modifier which knocks it down a point for running this card on WrestleMania. And I land squarely on a five because the only match, well, I guess arguably Flair Taker felt like a WrestleMania caliber main event match, but certainly not a main event match. The match that went on last felt like made the main event of backlash or fully loaded or something. Um, And had it been there, uh, it would have probably been even more of a standout uh, piece of business. But indeed, when you end a card like this that goes for three and a half to four hours and really 20 or 30 minutes of it are all that you can speak of as memorable. Hard to get over a five uh, when you factor in that it's also supposed to be the biggest show of the year. So five out of ten for me. So for me, there were far too many matches that had little to no build and little to no real stakes. You know, last year everything felt important. This year, very little felt important. If this show didn't have the Rock Hogan match, didn't have the Take a Flare match, this would really be fucking suffering and at the arse end of the points. But those two do drag it up by its boots. Um, so for me, it's a six. But this is, as you know, Eric said, this is WrestleMania. We expect better. You know, 
it's it's not great. So we will look into the rest of the month, and there are a few big things happening in the world of the WWF. We come out on the Raw after Mania, and as mentioned earlier, we open up with Hogan and that reaction again. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Hollywood Hulk match in the world with Rock and for it to go down in history as the greatest match ever. I also expected that my NWO brothers, Nash and Hall, would respond. 
I expected them to respect my wishes and not interfere in that match with me and The Rock. I also expected to walk out of the ring at WrestleMania with my name etched in stone as the only icon of the WWF. And to be quite honest with you, I also expected to beat The Rock within an inch of his damn life. But there's one thing that I didn't expect. I didn't expect at WrestleMania 70,000 people would stand as I came out the aisle and stick with me each and every step of the way. And that they did. And it was unexpected, but it happened. And I also didn't expect 70,000 people to chant Hogan, Hogan, Hogan. And for that, I want to thank each and every one of you out there. But I got to be honest with you, there is one more person I got to thank, and that's The Rock. Well, it takes two to have a great match. You know, Rock, I got to admit, when I came to the WWF, I came here to take you out. I came here to embarrass you, Rock. And just like everybody else that got in the path of Hulk Hogan, I was gonna run wild all over you, Rock. When we were in Chicago a couple weeks ago and I ran you over with a semi, I thought I'd never see you again, but you came back. And then last week, in the tag match, when I got you right in the center of the ring, hit you with a boot, dropped the leg, and I put a one, two, three, right on your candy ass. I didn't expect you to come back. And then at WrestleMania, Rock, in front of 70,000 people, as they were screaming my name, I stole the energy from each and every one of those people at WrestleMania. And as I started hulking up, Rock, as I got in your face and I hit you with a boot, I hit you with a leg drop. Not only did you come back and kick out, you turned the tide on me and you beat me for a one, two, three, right in front of all those people. It was an amazing sight. Well, Rock, I gotta admit, you beat me right in the center of the ring and since you beat me right in the center of the ring, we're that partisan Hogan crowd seemingly here tonight. Since you were man enough, Rock, to beat me right in the middle of the ring, I was man enough to walk over and shake your hand after the match. That was a moment, Jr. Unbelievable. But there's one more thing I gotta say. I just want you to know, Rock, it might, not meet, it might not be today, it might not be next week, but someday, Rock, 
Hulk Hogan and The Rock are going to square off one more time, brother. The whole thing. WrestleMania moment at the WrestleMania moment in Skydome, and this is a a raw moment, if you will, King. These guys are trying to set this. We have the Hogan Channel, a Rocky Channel is trying to build now. Where do you think these fans would like to see him go toe to toe one more time right here tonight? I'd like to see him go toe to toe one more time here tonight.
And now what? I don't know, but strong, obviously, JR, strong feelings for both these guys from all of these fans. No oh, doubt. wait a minute, wait a minute. Rock just, just threw those shades down on the ground. And finally, Hulk Hogan has come back to the Hulkamaniacs! <laughs> and then he has! Hulkamaniacs! You're definitely back! Flexi statement from the Rock, let me tell you. Hogan not quite sure what to make of that. After WrestleMania, everyone congratulated The Rock on the greatest match of all time. And everyone asked The Rock, Rock, how did it feel? How did it feel when 70,000 strong were cheering for Hogan? Well, The Rock says this, the same passion that Hogan has the same passion you have, the same passion The Rock has, they have. It's that same passion that allowed them to stand on their feet, 70,000 strong, for 30 minutes straight. Witness the electricity, icon to icon. And for that passion, and for that passion only, The Rock thanks them, and he thanks you. And as far as your challenge goes, anytime, any place, it would be, it would be my honor. We're going places I don't remember traveling before. But before you and The Rock go one-on-one, -on -one, before that even happens, there's something that you've got to do. Despite the fact Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, your NWO brothers turned on their WrestleMania, despite that, you still have on NWO colors. Yeah, what about that? So The Rock says this, concerning the NWO, why don't you tell the NWO exactly how you feel as only Hulk Hogan can? I'd like to know that myself, wouldn't you, King? Well, you gotta be careful when you talk. Turn us! 
obviously we've just heard that uh, promo between Rock and Hogan, where Hogan's pretty much just announced his babyface turn. The NWO come out and they pick up Hogan and say that later on tonight we'll have a tag match. We see Linda phoning in from C- the CEO headquarters of the Fed, telling us that there will be a draft on the last Raw of the month. Vince will get SmackDown, Flair will get Raw, and it's the only way to stop these two bickering, is to split them up. Vince and Flair have at it in the ring, verbally, and we then have a coin toss on who will get first picks. Vince wins said coin toss, goes for a cheap backhand on Flair, but then Flair gets the better of him. One thing that I do want to mention is there's this new lad called Brock Lesnar. He comes in in the middle of a hardcore match and fucking destroys Maven, Al Snow and Spike Dudley. And we see that he's under the tutelage of a certain Mr. Poorly Dangerously. So, you know my ears pricked when I saw that. Hogan comes out to Voodoo Child. Vince is clearly putting his hands in his pocket for this face turn because he's paying for Jimi Hendrix music. And we see Rock and Hogan beat the Outsiders by count out. On the SmackDown from that week, we also we get another Rock Hogan Outsiders tag match and we get the newest member of the NWO, a returning X-Puck. We go into the draft, and on the same night as the draft, we see the continuation of the Triple H versus Stephanie McMahon feud when Triple H beats Stephanie McMahon and Chris Jericho for the Undisputed title in a triple threat match. And because Trips beat pin Steph, she is banished from the Fed. So before I go through the draft rosters, anything anyone wanted to pick up on on the TV there before we run through who's going where and what we think from that? Always good to see the corpse of Linda wheeled out there, uh, just for a moment. (laughs) Um, Hard to say because (laughs) Like they they line up all this stuff that's that that that's you know not too bad as far as TV goes, and then it's like oh and by the way in a couple of weeks this is all going to be completely different because people are going everywhere who knows where, and so these two guys who have been feuding for eight months you know may not even be on the same show so it's hard to get into it, um, but it hasn't been bad, but uh, you talk about Lesnar and you know I looked this guy up, and he's an OVW guy I guess and there's some if you if you look hard enough on the depths of the World Wide Web. You can see videos of this guy doing like shooting star presses and shit, or at least, you know, it's really bad footage and stuff. But this guy is basically like Vince McMahon's built in a lab wrestler. And uh, I don't know what he's got or if he's in it for the long run or whatever, but he's with Heyman, trained by Cornette. Like this guy's been given every tool to succeed. So I, I don't know. This, we could be on for something here. He could just be another one of these like Ludwig Borg of Flameouts. So time will tell, but he's he's been given every chance. 
yeah, the the one thing I think it was really clear even from the debut on the uh, on the Raw is like he's got an explosiveness that guys his size don't normally have. And if if like you say he's been training and doing shooting star presses, the first time he pulls one of them out on the, on WWF TV is going to be a spectacle on near Hogan Rock levels um, if we ever get there because. He is just enormous. Like the traps on this guy is like nothing I've ever seen. But I mean, there's always the risk that that type of guy can't work to a to a satisfying level and, and falls by the wayside. And we've seen that happen to body guys over the years. But I'm not sure that body guys will one have Paul Heyman um, in their corner and and two are quite as explosive as he looked. Um, right off the bat so I, I think that's like uh, definitely one to keep an eye on over the next few weeks of TV yeah so one of those, I don't know if you saw the on the draft one where he uh, picks up Rikishi as if he was the same weight as Spike Dudley and flips him around his head in that sort of modified version of the TKO the boy's a fucking beast Mr. Welling? Uh, I'll go talk about Hogan then because, yeah, I feel like I'm a glutton for punishment. And I mentioned earlier that I don't think Triple H may have a long title run. And I think that this babyface turn that Hogan's done probably could be the reason for it. Do you really expect me to believe that Hulk Hogan, Mr. Political Machinator behind the scenes, is not saying to Vince McMahon, your brother, you know, Vince, this is a a money-making machine you got going on here. You got to spend the big dollars on Voodoo Child for me. You're going to have to, uh, you know, give me the run with the belt just to make sure that we capitalize on this momentum, brother. Even Triple H, I don't think, can stand up to Hulk Hogan in full-blown, I am making you tons of money, Vince. Give me the belt to prove it mode. And look, I'm all for Triple H losing the belt because, you know, he's not exactly high on my list of most rated wrestlers either. But, are we really going to hopefully not cave into Hulk Hogan, you know, having a nostalgia run with the belt? I really hope that's not going to happen. I really, really don't. And I also really worry, worry about the fact that you're going to build, we're going to have no baby faces that have, that can connect with the crowd long term. Like we talked about this in January. The nostalgia only works for so long until it pops. I remember doing this with fucking the red and yellow Hulk Hogan in WCW 1999. It worked for a couple of months and then it all fizzles away. It's going to be the same thing again. And we have to book long term. You know, you've got superstars in this roster that could easily carry the belt for longer. And that includes Triple H. That includes The Undertaker. That includes The Rock. That includes Kurt Angle. Like all of these guys are proven draws of the belt. We do not need to give the belt to a relic from the 80s. So we will go into the drafts um, and I will get all of your opinions on what you feel or how you feel with the roster splits. So Monday Night Raw. The quote-unquote flagship show of the WWF sees their roster being The Undertaker, The NWO, Hall, Nash and X-Pac, Kane, RVD, Booker T, The Big Show, Bubba Ray, 
Brock, Regal, Lita, Bradshaw, Stevie Richards, Matt and Jeff Hardy, Raven, Mr. Perfect, Spike, D'Lo, Meat, Terry, Jacqueline, Goldust, Molly, Just Incredible, Bossman, Tommy Dreamer, Trish, and Crash Holly. And SmackDown, the secondary show, has Rock, Angle, Benoit, Hogan, Billy and Chuck, Edge, Rikishi, Devon, Mark Henry, Maven, Kidman, Tajiri, Jericho, Ivory, Albert, Hurricane, Al Snow, Lance Storm, DDP, Stan, Scotty Suhati, Stacey Keebler, Christian, Test, Farouk, Taz, Hardcore Holly, Val Venus, and Tori Wilson. Which one of these is the is the main show, Eric? I think you'll find though that like uh, I shouldn't say like you're absolutely right though when you read it on paper it looks pathetic but I think you know it seems like Austin maybe is taking a few weeks off maybe he just needs time to decompress or whatever but I bet when he comes back he's on Raw and that'll quickly even things up but yeah when you read those rosters out loud it's like oh I'm gonna have to change my viewing habits because Raw isn't always and SmackDowns are sometimes at this point and I don't know that. You know, if the if the show that I'm watching is flagship by The Undertaker, that's going to be rough stuff. Um, so either they're going to get Austin back quick, whatever that takes, or SmackDown's going to be the place to be for the for the time uh, for the short time to come, at least. Yeah, it's, it's when you look at it on paper. SmackDown seems to have the workers and the fruitful like big names. You look over it. Raw, and obviously I see my boy RVD, I see Brock, I see Regal, and the Hardys, but the rest of it is pretty slim pickings. Whoa, slim, we've got the big show on Raw. <laughs> the, the one that surprised me when it came through with the with the list that I uh, screen grabbed off WWF.com, I didn't know Meat was still there. I mean, if we get. I didn't either like, until you just read it. <laughs> if we get the Sean Stasiak meat level comedy that we got in like the summer of 2001, he may be of use, but that's very slim pickings. So, Whitey, what are your opening opinions and thoughts on the split? I'm, I'm, I'm very, very skeptical. I, don't, I just don't understand the need to uh formalize like like i don't want to like ruin anyone's like hopes and dreams here guys but like professional wrestling it's like it's like it's scripted like you can kind of you can say such lies you can kind of do what you want like you don't need to impose restrictions and limitations on on your own business like if you want to have like a a soft brand split where generally speaking these six guys are on raw and these six guys are on smackdown fine make those shows destination viewing based on name attraction of some of your top guys split them in that way there's no need to do it with all aspects of your roster and like i i end up looking at both of these and like (sighs) 
I mean, SmackDown's okay, but like realistically, when I look at it now, we're not a hundred percent sure on the Rock's uh, short-term availability because there's talks that he may be finally going off to do that movie that he's been in talks for, uh, but it's not fully confirmed yet. So if the Rock's not there, obviously Benoit's still out. So we're left with Angle and Hogan <laughs> on SmackDown as your like top guys, and and then you you go like I, I feel it's like Jericho is pick twenty five like <laughs> two weeks after he's been in the Mania main event or something like something stupid. Um, it was weird. It was like way too high. <laughs> fuck's sake! When you look down these rosters, and I'm just like both look weak and i'm like why like you control this stuff you don't need to like you don't need to impose these stupid restrictions to make it harder to book stuff like you can do soft stuff where you yeah divide them up uh unofficially and like have it official for for a few names you know that's fine but like i just look through these and i'm just like oh man both shows look thin on the ground that's tough like if this was like a weekly, if these were two separate weekly wrestling promotions, I'd be less enthusiastic about both of them than I am about the WWF as a whole when everyone's can be on anything, you know. I think both shows have been made weaker by these changes. And I go into April 2002 very, very skeptical that this is going to be a good thing or a long term thing. I think. I mean, I suppose that is one benefit of the nature of professional wrestling is that if this is a bit shit, you can you can change it. But I just I just don't need I don't know why it's not you need to impose restrictions on your booking to make things slightly more convoluted in the first place. It is that thing of like you can do what you like with this, boys. So you made it hard for yourself. And I look at things like splitting up the APA, splitting up the Dudleys. Unless you've got something really fucking good to do with, with these guys on the other side, why? Especially when your tag team roster is so fucking sheer the minute. Why would you do that? Well, in, and, in, sorry, just to jump in. So, I am I like right in saying as well. So, the the current champions, like if you drafted a champion, that title is exclusive to your brand, right? Yeah. So, so why the fuck are the Hardy Boys on Raw? Like, what is going on? Like, just if you, like what? I just <laughs> absolute lunacy. Like, there's some so there's just stupid things, and like I mean they're not on TV all the time, but like Dreamer is on Raw, Hardcore Titles on SmackDown. Like, just like, I don't understand. I, I don't, I, they they make things too hard for themselves. And let's be honest, they don't always knock stuff out of the park without the self-imposed restrictions. So yeah, I'm skeptical and I'm unimpressed. Dan? <laughs> Follow that. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not watching Raw for a while unless something changes, basically, because, yeah, it, unless Triple H is feuding with The Undertaker and unless Stone Cold Steve Austin is 
is in a better place physically and mentally to come back and be the star of Raw and be the, you know, taking on the NWO, there is absolutely nothing in that roster that makes me want to tune in week for week. There's talent on there. Don't get me wrong. There's, I'm, but I'm not going to go out of my way to watch Raw just for William Regal being entertaining and Rob Van Dam and arguably the hardcore. No, he's not even on that. This is the thing. Stephen Richards and Spike Dudley are on Raw and they're not in the hardcore division. Raven's not in the hardcore division. He's on Raw. Just, yeah, just nonsense. And as as Chris mentioned, The Rock is, is not reliable right now in terms of his availability. So you're losing a big star on Smack, like the star for SmackDown, and I'm left with fucking Hulk Hogan again. So, uh, well, Ellie, uh, you're, you're on SmackDown every, every week now, yeah? <laughs> oh, so I got Kurt. Kurt. Kurt can save me. And anyone can save this is Kurt. And Chris Jericho. <laughs> Lacey, I think there's this perception that because the companies were all consolidated, that somehow there's this like depth of roster that has never before existed, and it's just not true. There has been so much depth taken out of the top of the pro wrestling landscape over the last five years that there there just aren't any top guys that have enough top guys that have been built to replace the ones that have gone away and i just while we were sitting here talking sketch to list that i'll read out of guys who are just gone and apparently have no plans to come back savage foley sting goldberg brett sean and even vader and sid and we're not going to see those guys again at the top of the card and those guys could all fill out main event spots then you have hogan and flair who are around but they're definitely in the deep twilight of their careers who knows how much longer they have they're both on borrowed time as it is and you have Rock and Austin, who are both questionable at best for various reasons. And so the two biggest stars that they had going into this whole mess are now suddenly not available. There's just like 10 or 12 guys who would have been main eventing all of these shows within the last five years who were just all either completely gone, on their way out, or questionable. And doing a brand split now just highlights how little main event depth there is in this company, despite the fact that they have all the wrestlers. And yeah. highlights how stupid the decision was in during the invasion to not push any of the influx, because you could have made up this gap now with with talented wrestlers like DDP, Lance Storm, all the people we mentioned back in the award show, and they just haven't. Like, even people like right. Test, like they they were pushing him to the moon in Survivor Series, you know, sort of time, and he's now twenty, forty eight, forty seven on the brand split call. Like they're just dropping people with left, right, and sense. It just doesn't feel like they have any plan of who they want to push at the minute. Yeah, it it really is one of those of like we thought coming out of this takeover and you know, the the combination of ECW, WCW all together. But in real terms, who is it that has actually come out of the last 12 months because it was 12 months ago with as a star from the guys that they brought in booker hulk hogan that's it he's the only one <laughs> the, the thing is that hogan's obviously only just come in 
Yeah. But but of all the ones that they've had for for a year, what have they actually done? They could have got yeah, more. Yeah, they tried, but they, they... Uh, go ahead. I, the, I was gonna, the, only, the, the next best is RVD, and they, they could have got more out of there than they have done. No, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say RVD, but he's capped right now, and they tried with Booker, but now he's jobbing to edge in six minutes in the main event or in the middle card of WrestleMania. So I don't know. Like, actually, I think your point is very sound. So we will leave this for another month. And uh, as I said, Dan, you will be our, our chief SmackDown correspondent. Um, I expect you to make sure that you're watching every episode of SmackDown religiously uh, to uh, keep up with Hogan and his uh, escapades. Just realised Christian's on the, on SmackDown, so it's fine. Just need to block say, out that Hogan. <laughs> there's there's going to be some things there that you know you are just. Gonna I'm have the Hogan King. I've got enough. I've got enough comedy mid carders to get me through. I'll be fine. And, and my boy Tadges is with you there. You know, you got a bit of Tajiri over there with you. This is, this is actually not sounding too bad. This is what I mean. Smackdown, other than, you know, Cunt Hogan. Better of the two shows. Yeah. The more I look at it, the more happy I get. <laughs> yeah, we've got my cruiserweights. My cruiserweight boys are there. This is You've looking, got Lance this is promising. Storm. Got Lance. Yes. I'll take that Smackdown. Thanks, boys. <laughs> I might retire. I've got Big Show on Raw. What the fuck? <laughs> and The Undertaker. Oh, no, I can't do it. And Hall and Nash. Kane. Oh, my God. <laughs> Big lad wrestling. Fuck's sake. So that's that's it. We're sort of done. So while you're doing all the Raw stuff, Welling, you're doing all the SmackDown stuff, and me and Eric will just look at when it looks decent. Sword for the summer boys. You got WCW yeah, I, during uh, the, yeah, the, the bad years. I think it's time for Whitey and I to, to pick up the, the slack. Yeah, we're going to coast on our WCW run longer than Goldberg has, so thank you. <laughs> I just have to say, I mean, there's been quite a glaring omission from this recording, and it's kind of Dan Dan's take on Hulk Hogan's hairline. And I've been kind of waiting for it throughout the show, so I just wonder: Are you going to be paying close attention to to that during your SmackDown coverage? Or I just hope his 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 the equilibrium to how much how bald to how bastardy he gets doesn't increase the older he gets. <laughs> you know, he might just keep his do rag on. I don't think that's going to be possible during the matches. That's that's. <laughs> so that is Mania in the books. Um and for the life of me, I can't remember which one of us is doing uh, Backlash. Who, who it is me. The... Oh Mr. <laughs> Welling, you have the joy of Backlash. Um well, what happens so... on that show? <laughs> we'll have to wait to find out next month, boys and girls. <laughs> but I think it might be fun. And yellow. <laughs> so it takes this for me first to thank and also commiserate Mr. Welling. Thank you very much, sir. 
it's fine. It it if I can get through this match, I can get through next month too. But it it was a pleasure as always, boys. And uh, next, Mr. Lundstrom, thank you again, sir, for yeah. joining us for another mania. Good fun as always, gentlemen. Uh, certainly not the high points that we reached last year, but I think the shows with questionable content are, uh, give us more to talk about. So good fun all around. I'll see you next time. Mr. White, as always, a pleasure, sir. Yeah, I mean, certainly not last year's lofty heights, but I had a blast covering it with you boys, so thank you, and, and thank you to you, Lacey, for some excellent hosting duties throughout. So, this is the point of the evening where I am going to pimp my new venture. So, some of you may have known that I've been doing a comic book show on the YouTubes, the Seddon and Lacey Comic Stash, um, but we have left our was current host um, and platform and uh, me and Seddon are starting up a new channel and new enterprise as so as to say uh, so you should be on the lookout for pop culture productions where you will find the Seddon and Lacey's comic book stash um, also uh, Seddon's TW uh, save videos I'm bringing back show and tell with tunes as short little uh, reviews of albums. There's going to be uh, reviews of music videos and reactions to music videos on there. And the reason I'm bringing it up on here is we want anyone and everyone that wants to do video content wants someone to help put it together or has an idea that they want help fleshing it out we are more than happy to have you come on our channel um and grow with us and become a conglomerate of joy for all things pop culture so movies games music films comics basically anything that is pop culture um, so if you have interest in that, um, look, as I said, on YouTube for Pop Culture Productions. Probably easy to search for Seven Laces Comic Stash at first um, to find us. Um, follow us on Twitter at PopCultProd or said Lacey Comics. And uh, yeah, join the fun. But that's enough of me shilling. And until Backlash... And a certain red and yellow fellow comes down and hurts deep down inside. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.